Athlete Radio. Everyone needs a Jeff Gonzalez in their life. A proficient firearms instructor with his venture, Trident Concepts, Jeff draws from his military experience and years of pursuing perfection on the range. This week, John and Tex discuss the details of executing the optimal shot, from fitness to body position to sights and trigger press. And later in the show, the guys transition to a more topical discussion about politics. It's the kind of highbrow shit you've come to expect from the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. This is episode 218. Power Athlete Nation. What is up? We got Texan John here. Sitting in Austin, Texas. In Luke's kitchen. In Luke's kitchen. Slash recording studio. This might be one of the final episodes done in Casa de Summers. Because we, the barn is the, under construction. Yeah, the barn's under construction. We framed it out, did studs yesterday. Um, we got to polish the floors tomorrow. And then the guy comes in for spray foam, put up the metal siding. And then uh, we got our... Uh, our uh, a veteran of professional bull riding coming to put our cedar ceiling in shortly thereafter. So he's supposed to deliver the wood because I want to sit in the barn and climatize before we put the, ce- the ceiling up. But yeah, we should have the office rolling and maybe a ceiling fan and maybe we can have to do AC maybe next year, but we'll see how awful it is this year and then go from there. We can survive. It's Luke we're worried about. <laughs> yeah. Luke's, uh, he's, he's very uh, uh, temp- temperature sensitive. He's a sweater. Yeah, no, he's a sweaty dude. <laughs> I ever tell you the year at the time that uh, uh, our neighbors who were drying like, you know, uh, an order of hundreds of t-shirts and this was a power athlete, their next door neighbors were drying all these t-shirts and the, uh, it was a pretty hot day that day and like we're in there and Luke's just like sheets of water coming off his face and he's like, let's go to Starbucks and um, shut the office down and went to Starbucks that day. It's good. It's a good day. So we have a special guest on the premiere podcast in strength and conditioning 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 and a austin native so jeff gonzalez once you go ahead and introduce yourself i know you were a previous guest of our show but we've picked up probably about i don't know twenty five thousand listeners since you last came on we're kind of a big deal well, kind of so kind of if you would do them the pleasure of introducing yourself tell us tell us <clears throat> your uh, your goals your missions what you do and hopes and dreams Childhood fantasies. I mean, we're really open to anything. <laughs> Online dating profile. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. We're getting in the weeds there. All right. Well, hey, listen, thanks again for having me on the show. I'm super excited. Uh, you guys are uh, obviously doing well. Much uh, much to my surprise. <laughs> <laughs> much, much to my chagrin, you guys are doing well. I was going to ask you, is there a special, uh, you know, kind of like um, you know, industry dating site that, uh, you know, they connect you know, the industry guys with the Ken Bunnies? uh no no there's not it's called well yes it's called facebook oh oh <laughs> well in- instagram is the new Tinder. In- instagram is the new t- i don't i see this is the thing i'm out of the loop so i've been out of the loop for like about 18 months now i don't know any of this you turned off your dms i have none i don't have any of those accounts anymore oh, it is you you got rid of all your uh, uh instagram and all that oh no i still have instagram but i use instagram for what it was designed for which was promote dating <laughs> uh, <laughs> Checking out scantily clad women with big butts, which is no, pretty much what it's both. No, I, I, I'm afraid I don't do that. I'm a very technical individual. So, well, I mean, don't you just troll the social media looking dude, for I people don't, that don't have trigger? First of all, like, where do etiquette? you find fucking time to do shit like that? No, we don't. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I don't we, have. We any. make we make time. 
Oh, is it? Well, I guess it's fun. It's well, you know, uh, Jeff's pet peeve is trigger discipline. Oh, so he yeah. travels the internet just searching for people that don't have trigger discipline. I will, I will say that you're correct on that. That that fires me up like a big dog. But I, I, I don't, I don't have the time. Like people are always. I don't know where people find time to do the shit that they do already. So yeah, I don't have that time. Well, if you don't have any time, what time do you have? Like, like what type of things do you have time for? I have time for things that matter to me. Like like long walks, puppies. Sunsets. You know, Don't forget uh, the sunsets. Vegan tacos. Vegan tacos are a thing, damn it. <laughs> I fucking told you they would be a thing. <laughs> it's, like that, uh, it's like that organic gluten-free kombucha that I saw Tex drinking today. Oh, your house is stock full of it. <laughs> Did you steal that from my house? <laughs> no, I went to AGV because you chugged one after we were hanging out in the barn for six hours. And I'm like, man, I could use one of those. Dude, you don't have to ask. You can have whatever you want. Just go have one. I don't offer because you're not a guest. I know. I still feel bad. Why? No, don't. Like, like, this is funny. Like, these guys come over so much that I don't think of them as guests anymore. So I don't really offer them anything. I'm like, if you want a beer, you want a drink, you want anything, like, go take it. Like, just walk in there and do it. <laughs> Like, it's like, I come over to Luke's house, I go get a water. It's not like, hey, Luke, can I get a water? And I stand there waiting for him to get me one. Just make it happen, dude. Like, we're past the point of guest. Okay. I mean, I, I mean how, how long have we known each other? 2009, right? 2009. Yeah. It's a you, long time. Known you for eight years. It's a okay. long time. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. Just like, at, at so this, are you, are at you this guys going to start swapping spit now? Is, at, this, well, is this the I time mean, where you guys do that? I don't know. Should not, I leave the room? It's not like we're semen. There's, <laughs> there's only one person at this table that's really a, a semen. And... And a uh, Navy squeal. <laughs> so interesting fact. Interesting fact. All right. So yeah. So I guess that that best describes Jeff. We don't have to go into his. I, I guess uh, not. No. Well, uh, I apparently mean, not. Know, yeah. We mentioned online dating, squeals, <laughs> and semen. I mean, we're pretty good. And so thank and you. That thank is you, show. ladies and gentlemen. Whoa, is this thing on? <laughs> um, but uh, without you know, much to my chagrin. So we have Jeff sitting here and I actually met Jeff through uh, another guest of ours, Tony Blower. That's right. One of my uh, uh, most interesting and favorite people in the world uh, because uh, like I'm always uh, really amazed with Tony, like how he, like uh, I can never guess how he's going to react to anything. Like I'll constantly read <laughs> stuff. But um, so I remember uh, rapping with Tony years ago, actually at the CrossFit Games, which just happened shortly. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about a little bit of shooting and he said, Hey, you should connect with my friend, Jeff Gonzalez. So Jeff and I connected. And then uh, we ended up, I think the first time we met was uh, showing up at the range to go do a shooting deal. Yeah, absolutely. That was uh, I remember you rolling up in your truck, getting out. I was like, fuck. I'm going to have to shoot this dude I'm more than once. <laughs> so yeah, we were at Rahagi's and we rolled in and uh, I, you know, I had uh, shot for years, but had never had any coaching um, other than when we were in Kansas City, we used to go shoot with some with some cops who, you know, no offense to our law enforcement community, just aren't the most proficient shooters. So I think I developed some habits and I wanted to up my game in shooting. So I got a chance to work with Jeff and Tricon Concepts. And uh, at that point, I think our friendship, yeah, uh, it was pretty pretty funny. Within like minutes, we're like, oh, dude. how come we haven't been friends long? I know, that's exactly what I was thinking the same thing. You know, the funny thing about it is that I think one of the reasons why we get along so well is that uh, we're both very purpose-driven, very passionate about what we do, and our our industries are very similar. You know, we 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 bitch and complain about kind of the same things. Well, and we do talk trash to each other. <laughs> That's true. And what's funny is uh, <laughs> most people, when you talk trash to them like this, they get butthurt. And <laughs> ironically, I've never seen Jeff ever get butthurt, and I can't think of a single time I've ever been butthurt. No, no. So no. there's a lot of shit talking, but you know that's kind of standard. That's it that's is like an SOP. It is. It is very much so. But um, yeah, no. Uh, 
it's been a while. We, I, I can't remember how long ago that was, but that was, that was a while back. And, uh, yeah, I've been, uh, I was super excited when you finally pulled your head out of your ass and moved to Texas and especially down the street for me. So that makes it really nice. Um, I'm super excited about the new barn and how that's going to look. I think that's, you guys are going to kill it. I really am excited about that. Yeah, we're building quite possibly the nicest private gym for ourselves and our friends. <laughs> I was just going to say um, the same thing. Well, like it was funny, the, uh, the, the, the guys poured concrete yesterday and I was talking with the guys and they were like, hey, you know, is this going to be a commercial gym? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they, and they, the guy was like, so you built this building just for you and your friends to lift weights? I'm like, yes. Like the dude like couldn't comprehend it. And he's like, wow, that's really, but uh, no people. I'm like, nah, it's a, we, we don't really like, I mean, it just, I mean, people, well, the people in our circle, but like, man, like having a, you know, like commercial gym where you actually have clients and members. I couldn't, man, I couldn't like, even fathom that. It's a lot of handholding. It's a lot of like, and see, that's what I'm talking about. You know, our industries are so similar because there is so much handholding in my industry and there's so much, uh, you know, and we, we were talking about this. I think Tex, you weren't here when we were talking about that, about, the biggest problem that we have is convincing people mm. of their ignorance of, oh. of how they, they don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And in the fitness world, just like in the tactical shooting world, it's, I think actually it's worse in the tactical world because there's this idea like in fitness and training, whatever, there's really no, like it, it's not as if, um, an assault bike is going to make me more fit than a C2 rower or that, uh, you know, a, a Sornex barbell, even though it is way nicer quality than something else. Uh, like a barbell is a barbell. You can go to a gym, you can do whatever. What's so strange in the tactical world, there's this, this kind of illusion that there's, it's like golf almost, yeah. that, that, that there's always something new around the corner that's going to somehow fix the deficit of what technology or yeah that like so true um instead of looking at it like um i I remember uh years ago um i've only like i hate golf nobody's like hate it but uh (laughs) the nfl they gave us a a clubs so i have this really nice bag (laughs) like clubs it's all monogrammed and shit and uh so i figured if i ended up with this bag of clubs i needed to go golf so uh, I went to go golf. I had this, you know, big deal, and I went out. And I remember we went to go play golf with some people. This dude showed up with like a putter, a driver, a nine iron, and a sandwich or something. And he had like four clubs, and he was walking. And um, the dude was like a scratch golfer. And I remember thinking, like, this dude showed up and basically shot like you know par on the golf course with four clubs. And uh, <laughs> I probably didn't even crack a hundred uh, with all like my fancy clubs. And I remember thinking, like. Like, don't fear the man with, like, lots of clubs or lots of guns or lots of kicks. Fear the dude that practice it once over. I mean, it's kind of like I'm sure you've seen it. Man. Like, uh, when, man. when I went through your class, those dudes were, like, busting out, like, pelican cases of all these pistols and this and this. And I'm like, hmm. I just want the dude over there that's got, like, a, you know, fucking Western revolver, sing, you know, like, a single shoot, like, single action revolver that's, like, <sighs> fucking plinking people. You know, and this is the thing. It's like, um, you're right. You're absolutely right. I get... Uh, like I get so many questions about like what's the best this what's the best that I'm well, sure you it's, I'm sure you do it's too. It's salient arms, right? <laughs> isn't it just salient? Isn't the response for everything just salient arms? So is is that the equivalent to supplements? That, in a supplement, do you take what's almost? Yeah, pretty much, I, absolutely. It's like yeah, what supplement? Like or what 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 creatine do you take? You know, like uh, what 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 protein? What protein do you do you scarf down? You know, it's it's very similar to that because, you know, I feel like. And, and this is why I love talking to you about uh, like the businesses and we can, because we can find similar solutions that will fit for both, both, both of us. Yeah. Both, both, both. And uh, it's like, I, f- I put way more stock in somebody that can understand fundamentals and then just our, 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 
our primary mission is just to always instill in everybody we come into contact with the fundamentals and then just have them execute them faster than the bad guys. And that's it. Well, I mean, nothing the, advanced about anything we do. I mean, it seems like, especially with shooting, um, you know, it's, uh, think about, it. I mean, we, we had a, a deal out in a high school in Texas earlier this week. And mm-hmm. uh, we were, I was giving a, a talk to a bunch of um, teachers and coaches and we were talking about the idea of like an open loop versus closed loop environment. And you figure you go to the range, you have your pistol there. I want to draw, I want to basically put shots on target. You know, they know what's expected of them. So here's a closed loop environment where you can teach proficiency and get them to up their skill and really break everything down. And like the uh, age old, like, I don't want you to move fast until you can show me perfection and slow. So let's do it in slow motion and then, you know, start speeding up. And I think the reason that we gelled so early was uh, as we went through, as I went through your course, um, which was killer one-on-one within like minutes, I was like, like the body position, the technique, the idea, the way he was teaching it, you know, dropping retracted shoulder blades, foot position. And even, uh, I contributed some stuff where I was oh, like, yeah. you know, this is why we do it this way. And, um, it was, it was cool to see somebody teach it from that like technical point instead of, we didn't start at like 200 yards and we're trying to do fucking body shots with nine mils. Like <laughs> Ben I, bullet. That's not yeah. One. Well, we, we, that's we right. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, you know, seventh level ninja shit. Yeah. But I mean, that's, what's nice is when you run into people that teach something from like a ground up. Uh, let's teach a technique. Let's not add speed until we develop proficiency. God, and then, man. and then once we develop proficiency, you have to add speed to push people outside their comfort zone. And that's what I appreciated when we went through it. You taught it. Once it was it, it was taught and mastered, then you wanted to add the element of speed so we could push it and see where where shit break apart. You know, and it's the same way. You know, you you don't you don't fucking throw four hundred pounds on the bar and try to start back squatting. You know, you've got to start from someplace and you got to work on form and technique because once you put that much weight on, you're just crushing. You know, if you don't have the technique, that's just going to crush you. And it's the same thing in, in, in the shooting world is everybody wants to be high speed, but nobody wants to put the work in. Nobody wants to be in there doing the dry fire, doing the practice, putting, you know, the requisite number of rounds a month down range. They just want to show up, be cool and, and look cool more than anything. And then just kind of get their member club ID and move on. And for us, you know, we put so much stock in people that work hard, people that actually, and I love, I love breaking it down the, you know, the taking the anatomy and helping people to understand what's important, how it's important and why they need to be focusing on that. When we, cause I think that's one of the things that we both do really well is we explain the why yeah. the why is so critical. Once you understand the why people buy in, you know, it's not that hard of a sell at that point. It's like, Oh, Right on. Well, I mean, you know, and the other thing too is I think there's this inherent thing with shooting a pistol that if you point the barrel this way, the bullet will go there. (laughs) And like, you know, and like what's so interesting, especially why I really enjoy the shooting is it's such a instant feedback for whether or not I was able to master what I wanted to do. And, and, um, uh, you know, like I'm sure people do it with golf, even though I fucking hate golf. (laughs) But like, same thing. Like what I always liked is like, I knew the technique. And I would basically, you know, as you pushed out, you pull the trigger and did it go where you wanted to. And I, and if I'm able to do everything perfect, as I know it should, the bullet should go where I want. If I don't, then I have to figure out, okay, why did that bullet go this way? Why did this? And so Jeff's got some really cool shooting diagnostics that were cool. Like I was burying my finger to in too much, which I was pulling the bullet this way. And so like we figured out exactly like where to put it like on the trigger. And for me, it's uh, like that level of like of, of detail is what I geek out on. Yeah. yeah. So where you put your finger on the trigger determines where the bullet goes? Yeah. It can. It can. Yeah. Because there's, there's, it's really, it's no different than um, like the barbell when it's going overhead. 
Like if you don't get that good hip extension, that barbell is probably going to go in front of you yeah. and you're going to miss the lift. If you pull too early and the barbell goes behind you, you're going to miss the lift, right? It's all got to be just right. So in other words, the finger on the trigger has to be positioned exactly on the face of the trigger. And what John was doing was his hands are kind of like meat hooks more than anything. So they were wrapping around the trigger so much that when he was squeezing, he was exerting force on the edge of the trigger that was actually causing the gun to subtly pull. So, you know, when, and we do, we slice hairs when we're out there. We'll, we'll, because if it's not perfect, it's not perfect. If it's not flawless, it's not flawless. So we and try you, to, you can see this just by, well, it's a process. It's like anything. It's a process that you go through to try to identify what the errors are in the shooting technique. Part of me. And so once we start working that process, we, you know, it's kind of like anything you go for the low lying fruit first. Um, John didn't have any issues with body mechanics, so we didn't have to worry about that. And then the next thing is you, you know, you worry about the site systems. You didn't have any problems with the site systems. And so the next thing we worry about is uh, trigger management. And, and that's where probably 75% of people's errors are is all rested in the trigger. So we try to get rid of all the easy stuff. And uh, that was really easy with John. <clears throat> And then just, uh, you know, his, it was also easy to figure out that his hand size was so big in that pistol or on that pistol that it was very likely that what was happening was that he was pulling the trigger slightly to the strong side, which was causing the gun to actually start to move to the strong side before the round was actually fired. The, so. the other thing he did, which was good for me too, is um, he got me to choke up more. Like I took like a higher, remember, uh, like higher up. Which is interesting because uh, the meat of my hands are getting cut by the slide. Yeah. But, uh, I just was like, fuck it, I'll worry about that later. But like that type of stuff where um, I like normally wouldn't have thought about it. Like, I mean, it's kind of like front squatting. If the bar is not poking you and almost strangling you, it's probably not in the right spot. <laughs> yeah. So like the same thing, like if the slide doesn't nick me a little bit, I know I'm probably too low on the gun. Yeah. And then it was like, what was nice too was after we went through, uh, this is your grip position. This is everything. This is how I want you to draw. This is what I want. Then for me, you know, like um, if you can show me, I can mimic. And so then when I left there, I went home and basically dry fired every day until uh, I got good and proficient and then was able to go out and test it more and more. So it was really a lot of fun. So with uh, referencing golf again, so the <laughs> yes, there's a theoretical perfect swing, but we're all different heights, different lengths, all that good stuff. So it's finding your swing. Is this is that similar to shooting? It <clears throat> Um, I think so. I think you can find that because everybody's body composition is different. So how you interface with the firearm is going to be different. And they're like, John is unique in the sense that he's a very large human. So he had to have certain accommodations and, and somebody like a petite woman would have to have different accommodations. So yes, there's different components that go into it and, and there's not a single, you know, there are some things that transcend principles that will transcend, but then there's all the little details that sometimes have to be customized for that. Like how I would approach it between the two of y'all would be slightly different. You know, John's got a little bit more experience. You, you, you know, you're kind of below him in that level. So the way that we would approach it would be a little different. But I mean, even for like, I remember we, uh, we did that little test when we did that private deal where we brought Ben and Luke oh, who, yeah. who, who had no, you know, I, I got them, uh, you know, Christmas gifts at Glock 19s. Um, and they went out and, you know, we set them up pistol rigs, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. And those guys had no experience shooting. Jeff takes them aside, like, and I shit you not 20, 30 minutes later, they came back and it was passable for they knew what they were doing. And, and but a large part of that was because of their superior knowledge in the physicality aspect. And, and that's body, the, that, body that, awareness. Personal. Absolutely. I tell but, them, 
but I mean, that's something too that we've talked a lot about. I mean, when people come to your courses, at least when I went to your, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the courses, you know, with actual students, the one thing that was interesting was uh, people were more geeked out and interested, like with all the gear mm-hmm. than they were with not only, I mean, they, they were into obviously the proficiency and the learning of the shooting, but the, the major component that they were completely devoid in was actually physical fitness. And I remember showing up and being like, you realize you guys would be way better served uh, to take that, you know, X amount of dollars you spent on that thousand rounds, which I'm never ripping on anybody for spending money on ammo because we're practicing with it. But like that money would probably be better served with either a gym membership or a meal service. I, I will tell you straight up that when somebody asks me, Jeff, how can I get better as a, as a shooter? Inside, there's that little voice that <laughs> wants to say, you need to get stronger. Yeah. You need to get better in that field. And then I have to come up with something like, well, you should probably work on this. You should probably focus on this, you know, take a, take a why gander. Not? I mean, why, I mean, what's, well, what's I, the problem with, with necessarily giving people a dose of what they really need <laughs> instead of acquiescing and kind of being like, <laughs> well, I think if you work on your trigger management a little more instead of like, seriously, it's go uh, lift something heavy. So there's a, there's good and bad. So like people that come to our training programs are for the first time in many cases being held to standards, standards that they're not accustomed to. Like we're the only organization within the shooting industry that has a, uh, that has been basically collect, we collect metrics on everything. I mean, anything, I don't care what it is. We will collect metrics on it because then we can evaluate that and then speak with authority and informed decision can be made. So people come there and sometimes there's a, there's a little bit of butt hurt that goes on in that sure. sense. So most of the time I'm trying to, I want them to have a positive experience so that they will want to come back and keep training. So that's one of the big reasons why I do it. Um, but I, I mean, I make it known to people that I feel it's far better for you to, um, to be healthy, strong, athletic, if you want to be successful as a shooter. Well, I remember when I went to your one course, uh, remember I dropped like a 500 pound deadlift. Oh, the, Jesus, uh, that's so uh, Jeff and I were training and he comes in, he's staying at the house. Uh, we're going to do like, uh, we went to go do trap bar deadlifts. And so we're doing like a max rep. It was like you know, 495 and the bar slips out of my hand and the back hit. And when the back hit, it jumped. And when it slammed down, the, the bar landed right on the top of my toe. And I uh, actually broke my toe. Yes. So uh, all of a sudden, my, my, my toe's filling up with blood. I got to go to the hospital. They basically hit it and basically, uh, you know, um, aspirated the, uh, the nail, thank God. And I had a fucking fracture in my toe. So I show up to Jeff's thing. And, I like, believe my this. And my foot's all fucking taped up. And, like, we've been talking about this thing for, like, a fucking year. I know. And so I show up, and uh, we're, we're doing, like, it's a concealed deal. We're having to fucking sprint back and forth. And like the hilarious part was I'm fucking dying. And like, finally I was like, yo man, I got to go home, dude. I don't think I can fucking be here. And uh, you know, cause I don't want to take any painkillers or nothing cause you're shooting guns. So the hilarious part is like, uh, like six months later I'm online and uh, I forgot what it was. Like I somehow, I, I forgot, but it was on Facebook or something, but somebody did a review of one of Jeff's course. And so I clicked on it and read it. And the dude was at my course and made mention to this NFL guy who didn't show up for the second day. And I think he was faking some foot injury. And I was like, these motherfuckers. Mm. But uh, no, that's how totally fucked up. That was, I was, I remember that so vividly because you, you, you were standing there. And then I remember after the bar kind of, the bar bounced funny. That was my first clue. <laughs> and then, and then the second was like, you kind of limped off the platform and sat down and I'm like, are you all right? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I, I think I, I think I really messed up my foot. 
and then, and then you take you take your shoe off and you're right we we, we that class yeah. was been building up because i only go to la like once a year yeah. and so when you take off your shoe and we look at it we're like oh yeah you probably want to get that looked at right and oh. so i was totally i was like expect i wasn't expecting to see you that day <laughs> i really wasn't i mean dude you i saw his foot big toe Oh yeah, it yeah. Was, yeah it's my my right. I, I have a picture of it. I, it I, was like, nasty. It, it literally was probably the size of like I don't know a, a plum. Yeah, it was like, bad. It, like the, the the nail was cracked. I mean that thing like the five hundred pounds. Wham! Fucking. I haven't actually. I threw the trap bar away today. That's why we don't have a trap bar? <laughs> it hurt him. Yeah, I, 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 I was, I'll find I another was... trap bar that doesn't have a piece in the front. Like intact, if it's, man. Yeah, yeah. Like intact. we'll we'll get one, but I ain't ever using it. Oh my like, god, dude! Yeah. It it and so like when he showed up the next day, when he finally came up and he he's like, yeah, dude, I got to get going. I'm like, dude, you should have never come here. Well, that, fuck, I, I wanted to come. I know, it was, I it know. Was, it was good, but uh, well, now you don't have an excuse anymore. Yeah, now we're no, right here. Yeah, no, we're right here. So yeah, but um, I I did my concealed carry at uh at Jeff's new spot, the range, which is uh for you guys who are in Austin or in the surrounding area, you should go check it out. It's uh it's pretty much like for anybody that's been to Shot Show, it reminds me if like you were to like take like a Shot Show theme mm-hmm. and put it in a range, like you walk in like it's super you know like clean, nice, like modern, and they have uh more weapons on the wall than anything i've ever seen i mean it reminded me of shot show like walking up to the hk booth and yeah things, yeah yeah and like the the the, the lanes so I, I did my uh license to carry deal there so we got a chance to shoot which was uh which was also kind of interesting because uh-huh. uh, i assume that people are showing up for their ltcs are proficient oh, and to see people almost fail that was kind of hilarious you know um the and this was one of the things that we we talked about early on is um I appreciate somebody who recognizes that they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find that to be engaging. Like, that's great. I don't know a lot of shit. I try to find something new, you know, whenever I can. And um, I think a lot of times people really don't know what they don't know until, and this is why standards are so important. Because if you aren't held to a standard, you really don't know where you stand, where you feedback. Right. Important for improvement. I can't understand how people can improve if they don't, know what to improve during a concealed carry can you give any feedback or is it's it just not designed it's, it's not no, designed for that it's, it's just an education thing but but your instructor was really good yeah in that he uh he even you know said hey you know now that you guys are you know anointed to carry a pistol uh in a concealed manner that you might potentially be called upon to use in a defensive manner uh you should feel comfortable and that you've done everything within social responsibility to go out and be proficient with that weapon. Now I'm paraphrasing. It's not exactly how he said it, but that's how I like I how you said it though. That's how I would have pitched the message <laughs> and been like, you know, you have to have this, you know, social responsibility that you have this thing tucked in your waistband that um, potentially, you know, can end somebody's life. If used properly, like you need a certain level of, of proficiency. So you don't feel like uh, one that you're uh, out, you know, pushing the realms of like, you know, if something were to happen, could I actually use this, right? Like if something happens, I will be able to use this as the attitude. And like, the interesting part is, I don't know that many of the people that were in the class, if I had said to them, hey man, like you're going to walk out the store with a gun in your belt and there's a dude right on the other side door that's going to shoot you. How are you going to act? Like how many people would have felt like I got no problem going into that situation? And like, to me, if you're going to carry, like that should be your attitude. Well, I agree. Um, you know, education is a key, no matter, no matter what we're doing. And, and uh, that's, that's the thing that I try to do is I, you know, you can't, you can't force the horse to drink the water. You can just lead the horse to, to the water. And um, 
you know, we do a really good job at trying to create an environment where people want to come and learn, where they want to educate themselves and they want to be improve upon themselves. And that's the thing. I think we attract that type of individual, just like you guys probably attract people that are interested in performance that want to get stronger, want to get faster. We do the same thing in our field. And I, I, I'm like, like you said, I really geek out on that uh, performance, you know, trying to improve them. It's, it's something I'm very passionate about. And I think what happens is that people go through, you know, first of all, it's a step, it's a process, right? First step, I got to get this license. Then what we hope for is that at some point they decide that, okay, you know what? I really need to advance my skills. I need to feel comfortable. And that's what most of them actually acknowledge. I need to do something else. And then eventually they do, they take it seriously and they come in there and they get either through us or through some other party they get, um, they start to improve. So we really emphasize, educate yourself, become smarter, become better, you know, don't, you know, I, I love that excuse or that, that meme somewhere as it says, be better than your excuses. And that's what we try to encourage people. Don't give me an excuse about, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. that's one of the things that I put out in my classes too, is like the, uh, the things that we do well is that we really don't care what your excuse is. That's like actually one of my traits. I don't care. It's like almost my superpower. Well, not I mean, caring, not dude, caring. I don't care. Well, I guess that's why you and John get along. <laughs> I know some like uh, it's always weird when people are like, "Do you understand why feelings hurt?" I'm like, "No, that would mean I'd have to have empathy, and that part of my brain got damaged early on." Yeah, but I mean, uh, but like, here's the thing: like, at at the end of the day, um, like, shouldn't the goal be to make you the best, right? So, like, if if the goal, like, so when when somebody shows up to your deal, uh, you know, their goal should be to like, you know, soak all this in as a sponge, you know, see what I'm doing, learn what I'm right. Like, I it's like, for example, if, if I go to a seminar, or I go to something where somebody's teaching, I try to like walk in with an empty cup and like listen and be like, okay, hey, I know what you want me to do. This isn't what I do, or this might be different than what I know, but like I'm here to learn and right. there might be some potentially better. Whereas we've had people for years should come up to our seminar, pay, you know, $795, you know, and then argue with us. Don't give a shit about what you say. Or, or argue because, well, this is not what I was taught or this. And you're like, well, dude, you're here to learn something else. Now, you know, and I'm always like, if you had taken this before them, you'd be doing mine and telling them the exact same thing. So like, where are we at here? So like, just open, you know, open your heart, open your brain, empty your cup. Let's do this. What's funny is on our equipment list, I actually list as part of the equipment to bring an open mind. I actually have that on the equipment list. Because I mean, don't uh, like, uh, and, and I, uh, you know, can't really say I'm uh, much of an industry insider in terms of the gun stuff, seeing as you're really the only person I know. Uh, <laughs> so like, you know, like any, any question I have, I'm like, Hey Jeff, what about this? You're like, that's garbage. Okay. All right. <laughs> So, uh, but like you think about like all the people that are shooting and doing defensive tactics or, you know, whatever weapon proficiency. I mean, would you say within, you know, there's 5% variation in what people are really teaching? Well, I always explain it this way. The bullet comes out the barrel the same way, right? Well, it's going to come out the barrel the same way. It's, it's the, it's the, the, how you deliver the message because the, and, and this is something that I know that you guys run into because everybody learns differently right? You've got those that learn by reading. You got those that learn by watching. You got those that learn by doing. So your curriculum has to be able to accommodate all of them somehow. You know, that's why we pass out handouts. That's why we demonstrate for the class what we want them to do. That's how come we put them out there and we have them doing it so that we can critique and coach them to make sure they do it right, right? We're trying to get across to them. So, I mean, I don't understand how, you know, people can be so resistant to, to learning, you know, granted, yeah. Uh, 
the, the bullet comes out the barrel the same way, but I see a lot of people that put out, like I, I say it this way, in our level one class, which is a basic class, 70% of what we do is educating. 30% is correcting bad habits. In an intermediate level two class, we spend about 30% educating and 70% correcting bad habits. Because most of those people that come to that at that point have had some training under their belt. And, you know, I don't, I don't get into this argument about, well, John says you should do it this way. Tech says you should do it that way. Oh, shit. We get in that every single day. <laughs> but what I, what I do is it's performance. Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, if you're, if you're meeting the standards, I don't care how you meet them. I don't care who taught you how to meet the standards. If you're meeting the standards, kick ass. Let's hit the throttle and let's get it done faster, right? Or let's get it done smoother or let's do it, get it done cleaner. I don't care. I don't care. You know, if you were taught one way by your grandfather, who is a World War II vet that killed all sorts of fucking, you know, Germans, I don't care. I don't care. Again, this is my thing. This is my superpower. I don't care. I only care about performance. And if you're not meeting the standards, what I need you to do is, is, is shut your pie hole, open up your ears, listen to the message that I'm saying to you, and then try to improve. It was like, uh, I remember one of my uh, early, um, mentors told me this, like, I remember walking into one of my first, first platoon meetings and he's like, all right, listen up, new guy, you have one mouth and two ears, which means you should be listening twice as much. I was like, oh, and one, and one butthole. Did you say that to him? And he's like, you have two ears and one mouth and one butthole. I did not and say you that. Just smiled at him, <laughs> like like with that like creepy little smile. You're like, no, 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 no. I did not do that, John. But your creepy little smile creeps me out. <laughs> That's why it's called a creepy little smile. You're like, huh? <laughs> but it's true. You know, I mean, wouldn't it be nice if somebody shows up with the genuine interest in improving and performance? Right? Well, but this also takes back a really interesting thing that we run into is. Um, you know, ego is a pretty, pretty powerful thing. Mm. Um, you know, I've said, I said the other day, their egos killed more men than cancer. And so the idea is, uh, you know, can you uh, displace your ego enough to take yourself from, you know, a, let's say a, a leadership role into a student role? Because the problem, um, which I, I, I run into with a lot of people is, uh, um, they don't understand that the dynamic of like of, uh, whether or not you're in charge or, you know, a chief or an Indian, how, like that should change in every situation. Mm-hmm. If you're the leader in every situation, you probably need to find a new circle I or agree. you're by yourself all the time. I completely agree. So like, you know, like for, for what we do, you know, Hey, I'm uh, you know, I lead the seminar. We have this, we do this. I go work with Jeff and I'm a student and Absolutely, you know, man. now it's term, his term to lead and I'm an Indian. Tell me what I need to be the best. I fucking love that. And uh, you know, it doesn't matter whenever you go, you know, case in point, like uh, working with my old neighbor yesterday, I saw cut that concrete, which uh, he's suck at a lot of concrete. And so my job was to hold the hose and have him explain it to me over and over again, even though I'm probably pretty sure I probably could have cut the concrete after his first explanation. In a straighter line. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude. So it, my neighbor is uh, uh, the saltiest dude on the planet, but the biggest heart. And uh, he wants to come out and saw this concrete. And I try to tell him, I'm like, yo, man, like, I probably like depth perception wise in terms of accuracy, proficiency, I could probably cut a straighter lighter than you. He's like, you don't know what you're fucking talking about. <laughs> I've been cutting ground concrete for 40 fucking years and you shut your fucking mouth. Don't cut, you know, yelling at me. I'm like, okay, so my job's holding the hose and I'm watching him. And that thing is like 
crookeder than a politician's fucking you know backbone like, yeah <laughs> ethics i mean he did i mean dude, it was like a 104 foot cut he did and i'm like tom i'm like it's not but then i thought you know fuck it if anybody ever asked me i'll be like it's my old neighbor cut. Yeah, yeah. go fuck yourself yeah. and, and just i'll never forget john hose yeah. hose hose <laughs> Like I'm fucking relegated to making sure that the hose is in the right point, you know. I mean, that's a critical job task. Uh, well, critical is, job task, John. But he was, chose you for a reason. And he, he he told me that if I didn't get my head out of my ass, he was gonna fire me. So <laughs> you hear him say that? He's like, he's like, better pull your head out of your ass, or I'm gonna fire you. I'm like, oh, I was like, ah. So he, uh, like, I love that. That is, is that is uh, awesome. I like, I constantly laughed, and the the, the better part was the. Uh, the hefe, the dude that was uh, kind of in charge doing the concrete, was uh, was out there, and he's like, he kept calling Tom uh, my uncle, and he's like, oh, your uncle. I'm like, what do you mean uncle? He's like, oh, he's not your uncle. I'm like, no, he's my neighbor. And he's like, well, how long? Well, how long you guys know each other? Like thirty years? I'm like, no, about six 30 months. Days. I'm like, about six months we've been friends. <laughs> and the dude was completely fucked. He's like, floored by that. He's like, I don't talk to like I, I don't talk to my friend like uh, people I've known thirty years. I don't talk to my family that way. And I'm like, well, he's an interesting dude. And he's That's like, the, he's yeah. like, I can't believe you take that. I'm like. Well, yeah, because he, you know, I mean, he's walked him. this planet a lot yeah. longer. Yeah, I'm like, have a little respect and uh, and and assume that you know he knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, and he does. I, the the thing that I that bothers me about ego is uh, number one, we all got it. I mean, shit, you know, I've I've got an ego just just as much as everybody else. Uh, but you have to be able to identify what it is that you want to accomplish. What is your mission, right? Whatever it is, I want to be able to break the 400 barrier for my back squat right? That's your mission. And then you have to, you have to put aside everything that's going to hinder or prevent you from meeting. And, and the biggest one to, or the biggest obstacle is the ego. If more people would see that, if more people would just say, man, dude, I, 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 I love sitting down and, and listening to your seminars. I will go in there and I will soak up so much shit. It's, it's not even fun. I mean, I'm not soaking up shit. I'm soaking up good, good, valuable information, but, um, my point is that if more people did that and, and like if, if more people could make that a priority for themselves, why, you know, because, well, but, but see, here's the thing. And uh, we, we've said it a million times in this podcast and it's really Greg Glassman's greatest contribution to the world was a quote he made, which was uh, people fail at the margins of their own experience. And I find that quote to be so revealing. And uh, I, Greg said it to me, but I don't know if he actually made it up. So I can't attribute it to anybody, but um it's one of those things where people fail to margin their experience. So your experience, let's say, is a uh, you know being a uh, you know a seal and then working in this um, you know tactical world, teaching you know weapon proficiency and have done this and industry leader and you know done you know all all these kind of things. It gives you greater perspective. So when somebody's talking about something similar but in a different vein, like we do, you can like you know glean something and it's interesting to you because you can practically apply it to what you're doing. It's so, very so, true. So, so, so yeah, then, I want to jump on this okay. when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. Go. So uh, one of the beauty, beauties of the seminar and a big part of it is our force bleed demo. Yeah. The opportunity where we are instructing and lecturing on all these things that are different from people's uh, that they've done before in training. And it's an opportunity for us to show them why the toes forward position is so important. So this is an old writing trick, movies. It's show versus tell. You don't tell an audience, you show them. Mm -hmm. So when battling ego, this is a very effective tool that I've found because you know, going to, going to different colleges, different gyms, and people are ingrained in a way, I can tell them all day and they won't mm -hmm. listen. Yeah. But if I show them just in that instant, everything clicks and they, you know, the, the walls are breaking down. If I go into a gym, a coach that is 10 times more experienced than me, and they want to learn that they become the student. So uh, 
I just love showing versus telling. And it's that immediate feedback, which I'm sure yeah. you experienced in shooting. Well, I can't, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. You know, the whole part behind that is if you can, I think a lot of times people need to know that it's attainable, right? That they can, they can actually learn this. They can be better. They can lift more. They can run faster. And then once they do and they see that, if they're, if they, if they have a drive, if they're passionate about what they're going to do, oh, you just hit like the, the mock button. You know, they're going to go mock five trying to figure out how they can do that better, how they can do that faster. So I love that. I, that's why I think demos are important. That's why I think you, you, you know, you're right. You can't talk, you can't necessarily, like if, if all you're going to do is just preach to somebody, it, it, you're, you're not going to reach the best area of their brain to really get them to, because as, as, as educators, we're all educators here, as educators, our job, our goal is to educate people and to see them improve, whatever it is. So if you can't tap into that and get their brain to engage and, and actually work in a positive direction, then it's, it's, you know, then unfortunately, and, and we all know there's going to be students that are just, you can't get to, they need to get to themselves before they can get to you. Well, in, we have injuries. So in yeah. sport and training, if you don't listen to a coach, we have injuries Fuck yeah. and that's a lesson. So what's it, what's something similar to shooting? Missing the target. Okay. That is the biggest lesson because that's the ultimate goal to hit the target. Right. So that's where our performances, that's where performance is all driven. Well, and, and the funny part too with the, uh, with the shooting, especially missing the target is uh, a little bit of shame. <laughs> because the funny part was I, I you know, like I haven't had as ne nearly as much rain time as I need to since we've been here <coughs> just because of work. But um, when we went to go shoot that LTC, uh, you know, I mean, dude, I shat, you know, perfect. You shat perfect. I shat, I shat, well, I shot perfect. <laughs> but what I was actually thinking of. One butthole. Was, <laughs> was the lady next to me was shit. And uh, I got messed up my head but i remember like her looking at mine and then me looking at hers and she kind of like gave me this shoulder shrug like i'm not real good at this stuff and i'm like you're at a licensed carry class like it was kind of like a little bit of shame like she looked and she kind of like shrugged and was like oh, i'm not that good and i'm like and she passed i mean it wasn't uh, by flying colors i think she shot like a 70 which is you know out of 50 shots is you know not good or whatever but um I mean, you miss 15 out of 50. I mean, that's not that good. Well, you know, everybody's going to be, and what we're talking about is motivation. What motivates people to learn, you know, to get better. And everybody has, uh, you know, some people need positive praise. Some people need negative praise. Some people need a reality check. Some people need that, um, that kind of shame, you know, uh, and that's, again, as an educator, that's your goal. You know, when you're working with, you know, when you're working with an individual, you've got to figure out how is it that they are motivated because, you need to be able to stoke that fire, whatever it is, to get the maximum benefit or maximum potential from that person, that student, whoever it is. And that's another thing that I love doing is trying to figure that out because everybody's yeah. a little different. Have you read Daniel Pink's uh, Drive? No. Uh, I will definitely put I don't that. have it here, but once I move here, I'll give it to you. Oh, but, that'd be uh, badass. I thought you already moved here. <laughs> Depends on your definition of move. By the time this podcast comes out. I'll be here. It'll be so when do you move into your new pad? Uh, a week from yesterday, Wednesday. Oh, okay. So we're coming up on it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. and then you know, and then now now that you have a, a you know a home base, and you don't you and know, a gun, and you get to stop <laughs> <here>. <laughs> you got all you need. <laughs> <laughs> then we're couch surfing. 
Dude, you've been couch surfing for like what four years? Yeah, I haven't paid rent in a long time. Damn, dude. But I, I've well, been learning you. from I'm walking the earth. I'm like hang from Kung Fu. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Walk yeah. the earth, meet Kwai people. Game. Oh that's you know, there's some there's something to be said about that for sure. But I'm happy that you're here. I'm I'm thinking that's gonna be awesome. And uh, you know, that that means that your entire you know, focal group of yeah. power players is all under it, well, all in one border. Even if it's a big border, you're all under one border. Best country in the U.S. It is. It's true. Texas and her 49 you, bitches. You know, the the only the only thing which kind of got me on Texas the other day was uh, so Sunday I went out to go. Uh, you know, where the guys were getting ready to pour for the concrete, so I ran a water line underneath uh, the concrete and kind of got it all set up. So I'm out there kind of digging underneath the uh, the rebar, trying to get the water line under uh, under grade. And it was wasn't that hot. It was probably eight thirty, so it was like ninety. And by like ten thirty, <laughs> it was like ninety two, but it was one hundred percent humidity. Oh yeah, and it was it was getting ready to rain, so it was maybe ninety nine. And I remember just sitting down, like my clothes were all soaked through, and like the girls were out there, and it was just hot. And I'm thinking like it's fucking hot today, <laughs> and uh, so. <laughs> Uh, like we were, I was just like, it's fucking hot. Like this was like by far not the hottest number, but it was, it was awful. And then, uh, um, one of the guys I know around here texted me and he's like, man, how did he treat you? I'm like, it beat my ass. He's like, you ain't in California anymore. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't in Kansas anymore. No, it's, uh, um, my neighbor is uh, Jesse James. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So he's from California as well. So, so we'll we, like, we're buddies and we'll text and, um, text we went over to his shop one day but uh yeah he texts me he's like how's that heat treating you i'm like dude kick my fucking ass he's like you ain't in california it takes a little getting used to i'll give yeah, you that austin's a stepping stone for houston so yeah you you don't have the humidity like that's that's yeah, a houston's godsend fucking awful. that's a godsend well but, it i can only live in humidity houston dc austin i'll be all right i just i went to arizona for oh. a week killed me <laughs> the dry heat too dry why what what did it do to you you mean your hair wasn't quaffing oh yeah. you just had flat hair my, like, i didn't have my bounce <laughs> you, <didn't, laughs> you want to step off the plane here poof <laughs> you know uh the dry heat stuff it's like it's fucking hot and you're just like i don't care what they say it's when it's it, you know like yeah. when we lived in arizona we lived it's in like arizona yeah, yeah, when, yeah when we lived in arizona for a while there and and it was in the triple digits I don't care who you are, 110, 112, 115 is balls hot. And it just, it beats down on you for sure. Well, it doesn't get much over 100 here, does it? Not, no. I mean, we, we occasionally will we'll have some, maybe a week or two of triple digits, but it's going to linger at the mid 90s to high 90s for the most, for the most part here. And, and, you know, but I mean, here in Austin, the nice the nice thing about Central Texas, if we get that light breeze, I mean, we don't have it right now. Well, there it is, a little bit of a light breeze. Well, being up here in the hill country, we actually oh, have a breeze. Yes, I love that. That breeze makes it all, I mean, it's, it's heaven. It's heaven for me. I love it here. God damn it. I love it. Got awfully quiet. A little awkward there. Yeah, what else? <laughs> I don't know. What else? We're talking about the weather. I know. Shit, that's bad. No, but in Texas, <laughs> but, no, but think about this. In Texas, the weather is actually something. Like in California, people don't talk about the weather because it's the same fucking every day. Here in Texas, like when you meet people there, like the other day I was at, uh, um, like went to the market or whatever, and like first thing the checker says, pretty hot out today. And I was like, <laughs> Did yeah. they ask you for if you want ice for your grocery bags? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, a that's big a, thing. Yeah, that is a thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny because this morning I was working out and the, the, you know, like I have to, I have to be very cognizant of that heat when I'm working out. You're like, 
And, uh, you know, our friend Harry there, he, he loves to turn that fan off when he's talking. I'm like, you just need to start screaming. You need to start hollering. I don't want that. I don't want that fucking fan off, man. That's going to. Harry's pretty good in the heat, isn't he? It doesn't seem to bother him. I don't think so. Well, I don't think it does. Do, do, do you think that the uh, people of Mexican descent can handle heat better? I don't know. It's, it appears as though he has no complaints about it. I, it what's funny is like, like, I'll turn the fan on right away. Like, I, I don't care. I want it on now. Just talk louder. <laughs> that's my thought it's well, like, <laughs> uh, uh, so harry came over to our building and we did spray foam and so he uh just shot him over the contact information for the dude that did spray foam oh. we spray foam there because he's like dude he goes we got to do something that's too hot and uh, it, it, um if you spray foam the ceiling at least it's, uh, it's like 20 30 degrees cooler dude it's a big difference and, and you know but it, it what it teaches me too is like uh, you need to modulate your performance in that type of conditions you know, those conditions, you, you know, you're not like, I want to say I'm pushing at a hundred percent. I'm not, <laughs> you know, you're just not. Cause as soon as I step away from that fan, I just start overheating. And when I move into the, the, the dry air, do you think that's, um, might have anything to do with what you maybe had done earlier in your life? Like I always think <laughs> like, you know, like, especially as a CEO or whatever, I mean, you've done like the heat exhaustion, the cold, all that other stuff. And I sometimes <sighs> think that, and, and the only, only reason I'm saying this is I played with a dude who, uh, uh, we were in training camp and he got, um, I mean, dude, like rhabdo messed up. Oh, like shit. He, yeah. Like he was like, we didn't know it was rhabdo, but now that like, I know what rhabdo is, he totally had rhabdo. Wow. Uh, fucked himself up and it was hot. I mean, we were in Turlock, central California in August and it was 108 degrees Jesus. and we were out there for, you know, two hours pushing the sled, you know, out there in college? No, thing. Yeah, college. And, um, one of the guys got heat exhaustion and went to the hospital and was messed up. And I remember he was fucked up for a long time after that i remember we during the game he'd be like no nah, I, I, i'm just too tired i can't do it yeah and so i always wonder if like if you you know maybe you pushed yourself beyond the bounds but you know maybe. well i think if you've yeah that's a good question I, um you know I, I i feel like i have a pretty good a pretty good perception of my performance like i know yeah i'm gonna need to probably tone it back a little bit because otherwise as soon as i stop like i've done that a couple times recently i get done with the workout and, and harry like, likes long metcons yeah. and, and i only know this because my wife comes home about them. <laughs> so uh yeah so jeff chains at the uh the housewives class with my wife yeah at, yeah, at over yeah there. so yeah. but yeah she comes back she's like i can't believe these fucking long metcons yeah we need to talk to him we need to lift some fucking weights i know i i'm the same way like we did power we did power snatches the other day and i just i walked out of the gym with this huge grin on my face like yeah i love this i mean i don't mind doing those long ones but you know that that heat really you know i mean it's you have to factor that in because if you want optimal performance from somebody and if they're going to try to push at a high intensity level that heat is a factor is um so for like let's take it back to the shooting stuff i was going to ask you yeah. on this question a little bit go for it is it like what's the single like, like if you could say to somebody who was you know like uh had shot firearms was fairly decently proficient that yeah. wanted to get better not like a not advanced but not a beginner mm -hmm. like what would be some of the top things like that that they could do i mean is it something like uh like physical fitness is it uh you know maybe are they at the point where there might be a certain weapon that might be more advantageous to the way they shoot mm -hmm. or is it like you know i mean well, I'll tell you, that's, first of all, you're never going to get an argument from me about improving your fitness. That, that to me, I don't care what it is that you're doing. I think you can do it better if you're more fit. Have, have you had anybody come to one of your classes and then, you know, fairly unfit, get into fitness? Oh, fuck yeah. And then all of a sudden come back and they're oh, like, fuck yeah. Way better. Oh my God, dude. And it's, it is, it is a, it's awesome to watch. I've had, 
I, I can't even count the number of people, you know, because I post it up there. I make it pretty clear in my personal post. I don't necessarily shove it in your face, but I make it pretty clear that I take it seriously. And that has a lot to do with, I mean, I can't recall a time in my life where fitness wasn't important. You know, I mean, all the way back to high school when it was real serious in high school. And then obviously in my naval career and it's, it's never, there was a, how do you define fitness? I mean, I, don't, that's a, don't you do it? Well, no, damn good no, question. No, because I mean, like you know, like you got Fergie going up in the gym, just working on my fitness. And then <laughs> you got this stuff. We got fitnesses we know, like you know, through CrossFit, or we have fitness, like you know, uh, I'll, like I'll pull the, out super training. I'll, yeah, I, or, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, he has super training. I mean, also the guy who um, I can't remember his name right now. The guy who presented when I was at uh, Harvard for for uh, Ancestral Health Symposium talked about fitness is your ability to have this, you know, offspring. So technically, well, Darwin's definition, correct? Uh, no, I, I can't remember, but just, um, how it worked is that, yeah, I mean, it was Darwin, but the, uh, the idea that, you know, an organism is one thing on the planet to reproduce mm -hmm. and the more you reproduce, the higher your level of fitness is. So, you know, I'm fitter than Jeff cause I have three kids. He has two. Oh, We're, we are all way more fit than Tex cause he has I'm no shape. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I am a big believer in defining your mission. And then, you know, I define fitness as my ability to execute my mission at peak performance. That's how I define it. So you, you really, in other words, it's an, it, it's a very, you, you have to really kind of think about it. Like, well, what is your mission? Like for me, we've talked about this. Like when we first started working yeah. on a program for myself, what are I, you training for? Yeah, exactly. And I was like really big. I need to be able to lift something heavy off the floor. I need to be able to pull myself with all my kit on over a wall. I need to be able to, uh, you know, pick, you know, pick, carry somebody on my back and then I need to be able to push something off the, the ground if I had to. So, you know, I mean, it basically covered all the, the range of motions that you typically see. And I just wanted to be as strong as I could in all those range of motions. Yeah. We also had to work around Jeff had a pretty nasty uh, wrist injury. Oh yeah. And that was very inhibitive for him to do just about everything. And I remember just like realizing why you have the wrist injury, how we can fix it, things. And then I remember we loaded it very, very, like, yeah. very, like uh, slowly to the point where he was like, I can, you know, I can snatch, I can do handstand pushups, I can do pushups. Cause when we first started, you had to do all your pushups on knuckles. I did. And now he's got to the point where he's here. So, I mean, it's yeah. uh, it funny was, it story about that. Progression. It was a very slow progression. So, my, my kids, don't do this at home. If you're on target, don't punch somebody in the face with a closed fist. That's definitely going to hurt you in the end. That's how I broke my hand. That's how I broke my wrist was I hit somebody on target with a closed fist and I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't until I got back to our, you know, back to base that I, that I was like, Oh my God. And uh, yeah, all these bones. Well, right well, let's put it correctly. You didn't hit the person properly. I am a firm believer that I'm, I'm, I don't hit people with closed fists anymore. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you hit somebody with a closed fist, I mean, obviously, you know this. If you line up yeah. these two knuckles here, both from here, you can break it. Yes, but I also have to ask so, that person to stand still while I hit them, which is typically not what happens. Well, probably the <laughs> issue was you had not been proficient throwing enough punches because you hadn't practiced it to the point of detriment where That's a now possibility. all of a sudden as you hauled off and you go crack this dude, you, you know, that's learn, a very distinct possibility yeah. very dis that I was ignorant well, is what no, you're trying you, to say. You just, <laughs> you just hadn't developed the training reservoir. That's true. To be able to suck some dude in the face. So now you just go for the open hand slap. I do. It's great. It's wonderful. Yeah. I love it. So, and, and that was one of those things that I appreciated about your field of expertise was that you were able, and you know, when we started really digging into this, you were able to find me a way to make the gains that I needed to make without being hindered by my wrist. And now, um, yeah, my wrist is, I don't know if it's a hundred percent, 
but it's it's damn it's better it's it's better than it's ever been well i mean you haven't complained about it and you're yeah. able to do everything you wanted to do so yeah. but i mean i remember that was when we first started oh, yeah, like a big obstacle but i mean also too uh, so much he had uh, gotten really stuck in like uh, a lot of similar movement patterns mm-hmm. like we know a lot of people do so by varying you know primal movement patterns you know you know, wow, these, you know love it. supine up down you know left right rotation all that i mean all of a sudden it uh it worked really well and also we able we developed a uh, kind of a modified linear progression for him because even though he trained for a long time, he had never done uh, like a basic linear type progression. And then I, dude, I think I saw, then all of a sudden he's like, he's doing this thing. And then I see some video of you like squatting what it was. It was some crazy, like yeah. uh, like double body weight for five reps. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit. We saw some crazy numbers early on. I love that. I mean, yeah, like my, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was impressive. I remember texting you like every time I'd be like, dude, I just fucking pulled this off the spot. And you, you, I mean, yeah, you were yeah, genuinely uh, surprised, or I not know. surprised, well, but excited as well. Yeah, well, shit. I mean, anytime you know somebody's able to hit massive PRs where they were like, I didn't think I'd be able to do this stuff, and then all the you know, all of a sudden they're you know, squatting double body weight. Like, I see some video on Facebook, and I'm like, Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I was like, dude, that's awesome. And he's like, I can't fucking believe it. And, um, you know, for a guy that travels on the road a lot, so it's hard, but uh, yeah, I love it. And I, I'll tell you what, man, that that's the other thing that I've really like, I love your approach. At, I love your approach towards strength, how you attack it. Like you have this intellect that I hate to, can we just like, maybe like, we can cut this out. Can we cut this out? Kelly, edit this out. Kelly, don't edit this out, which means she's going to edit it. She doesn't fucking edit. I don't even think she listens to these anymore. <laughs> Kelly, if uh, you're listening to this, uh, text me both. <laughs> so the thing that, uh, the thing that uh, I appreciate is that you're like, I've, I've, I've enjoyed watching how you like create the program. Like it's like watching you sit there and you kind of like, you, you know, you're, you're doing your magic and I'm like, oh, fuck, man, look at that one. Oh, it's awesome. You know? And then before you know it, you've got like a 12 week program. That's just badass. And it's, it's like you said, it's progressive. It, it hits all those primal movements. Um, I've seen, you know, trust me, I'm, fucking happy as a as, you know well, i was gonna say picking shit but i maybe i'll just go with the clam but uh happy as a clam you know i mean really the the goal for you especially was to to develop um a program that made you strong enough and fit enough and was able to fix enough things so that you could walk into any crossfit yeah and be able to jump in as rx and do well and be competitive yeah and uh and that was what was cool was because i mean i remember when we first started you were like oh fuck that stuff i can't do this and i'm like i'm telling you man like yep. like if you can fix all this stuff, because I mean, CrossFit and a lot of these, uh, you know, functional fitness things are a lot more fun if you're not injured. Oh, God. If you have full range of motion, you can actually do shit. Dude. It's fun. Uh, you know, you get out there, you compete, you can do this and, you know, that's a good time. But if you're constantly having to modify or yep. change or avoid shit because you're fucked up, it's not very much fun. I, I, and, I couldn't uh, agree with you more. And like, I remember like one of the first times you walked in and you were like, oh, I can't snatch. And then all of a sudden you snatch and you're like, oh shit, I can go do these things. Yes. And that's what's, that's what's cool for us, especially to see somebody like, you know, go, go through the methodology, come out. I mean, you've been to a bunch of different seminars and then all of a sudden you come in and you're like, okay, I'm good now. Now, now I can do this. And when do you progress to the normal classes instead of the mom? Oh, class? come on. It's <laughs> because well, he likes to train shirtless with all the uh, fake way moms. Oh, Jesus Christ. So yeah, you know what? It's fucking hot there. I walk out. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I would almost say that like I've seen Luke sweat, I think, and I don't know. I'm, Luke's, yeah, Luke's a sweaty dude. Yeah, so I'm like, but but you can't see him sweat because his beard is so thin. Oh, that's true. That's why he's got it. Yeah, that's well, why. He uh, he actually told me he's shaving that thing. Oh, yeah, by wow. the time this comes out, he will not wow. have a beard. But uh, yeah, I do. I, I am. I love it. I love the programming. I mean, uh, I can't say enough good things about it. You know, you guys are really. Uh, 
pioneers in a lot of respects. And I, again, Callie, make sure you edit that out. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's next? Uh, so what's up for Jeff in 2017, 2018? You know, I am, uh, you know, like you mentioned, I, I am the director of training at the range at Austin, which is a 52,000 square foot indoor facility. I love it. Uh, you know, this has been a great opportunity for me to travel less and try to work more on curriculum and trying to bring new people into the fold. So that's my primary mission right now is uh, getting a lot of people, first time gun owners, new shooters, getting them in there, getting them educated, getting them competent, and then sending them on their way. Uh, so that's kind of me right now. Uh, 2018 is going to look pretty much the same, only we're going to be hitting it a lot harder. Uh, you know, we'll have, uh, we didn't open up until February this year. So, you know, next year, I think it's going to be our, a really good year for us. We're seeing so many good things happen for us right now that uh, next year, I only see it getting better. So you think Austin was really ready for a, a high-end shooting range? I think they are. Uh, you know, the nice thing about it was um, we're so convenient. I mean, it's crazy. You yeah. know, we're, we're literally, you know, minutes from downtown, minutes from the airport. Um, you Unless know. you drive by it. Yeah. And then you have to make a U-turn. Yeah, yeah. That that's sucks. not, yeah, no. Well, so the, the first time when I was going on my way to my class, under the class, I literally start driving too fast, shoot right by it. And he's texting me. He's like, where are you? I'm like, dude, I fucking drove past it. And then you have to drive like a mile down the road and make this total arduous U-turn and thing. And it's a like, pain in the ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, fuck, we need more signs earlier. We, 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 we are working on not drive 90. Yeah. That that's also a plus we're working on that. So, um, I'm super excited about that. You know, um, it's, it's, it's been something that I wanted to do because the thing that I've always struggled with, and I'm sure you struggle with this is you, you go to a location, wherever it is, like I, I go to Los Angeles and I go there and I train and I see, I see some familiar faces, right? But I, I, I saw them a year ago sure. and I, I get to see them again. So yeah, they've probably done some stuff between now and then, but I don't get to really have that much of an influence on their development because there's such a big time span in between now with a home base and seeing so many familiar faces coming in on a more regular, consistent basis. It is awesome to see that I I'm, I'm really happy because things that I feel are very important is consistency and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, and this will allow you to dive deeper into your curriculum mm-hmm. because you'll see things how that, fast people oh are progressing. God. It's, yeah. it's, it's really nice. Like, so how many Tricon courses are you holding uh, at, uh, at the range? So basically what we do now is uh, we offer everything from an intro all the way to basic, intermediate, advanced. I think every month we're putting out like five to six different classes. And that's nice that I have an uh, instructor staff now. So I'm not technically doing all of those classes, but the curriculum that I designed is being taught in all those classes. So that's good. Uh, it, you know, I'm still traveling on the road. I still have that going, but I'm only doing like maybe six to eight classes now, which is so nice. Yeah. I do. I do it, it's nice because when I get that urge to get on the road again, it's just the right time, just the right time. And then I get on the road and I realize how much I hate it. And I come back home and I'm like, yay. <laughs> Not that I hate it. It's just, you know, it's the, the little things that you don't, don't like. So anything in the political landscape upsetting you lately? <laughs> Where do I begin? I don't know. I, I, I told Tex, I'm like, you know, I usually have some pretty good uh, uh, political conversations with Jeff. So I just oh, God. If there was anything in the, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, you're um, somewhat of a moderate conservative. I would say that that's, that, that would probably ping me pretty good, pretty close, pretty yeah. accurate. Yes. Um, you know, I'll tell you this. This is what I find interesting. Uh, Austin obviously has a liberal slant. And where we're at, we're so convenient to the downtown area. And I find that there is a good number of people that are 
truly curious, interested in what we do. And a lot of them are brave enough and courageous enough that even though it may not be within their, you know, their, their liberal family con, you know, condoned, they are coming out and they're educating themselves. And when they do, what I find is that a lot of times there's so much, so much misinformation, so much wrong information, so many lies that they are, you know, a common response is like, wow, I, I was not expecting this. I was not expecting this at all, you know, because it was. Is it fair to say liberals are not technically gun owners? No. Um, I find that uh, that's, that's the irony is that now, now uh, we're seeing more of them that are becoming interested. And, and what, I, what I, I believe that a lot of them might be socially liberal, but I think maybe deep down they're kind of like closet conservatives because yeah, in, their, I mean, in their social circles, they kind of have to put this front up. You know, and then they, why is it like? Is it considered that if you own a weapon or involved in shooting in some way, then obviously you're a uh, you know card carrying you know conservative Republican? I think that there could be that myth. Um, I know that a lot of like when I've talked to some of them and um, the interesting conversations that I've had. Again, a lot of times they come back like I wasn't expecting that, and this this was this was good. I really am glad that I did this. That's the other thing. Like I'm glad that I did this, and I I kind of like because obviously. I want to educate people. So I'm like, okay, well, what was so, what really was the big deal? I mean, why did you, and, and a lot of it is ha, has to do with what they, what their social cliques kind of, I guess, mandate as being what is good and what is not good. You know, what is cool, what is uncool, uh, what is good or bad. And, you know, so uh, like I was saying, I think a lot of them were socially liberal, but then they're kind of like, in inside the, their confines of their own home, they might be a little bit more conservative than many people think. And so th this is an interesting subject for them and they want to explore it. And, and we create an open environment that allows them to do that without, you know, feeling like, you know, because there, there is a negative stigma within our industry of, you know, and it's perpetuated many times by the, you know, the anti-gun uh, kind of like marketing machine of of us being this this crazy kind of like a lunatic or unstable or blah 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 and it's perpetuated in the media and it's perpetuated in all their you know kind of communications and then all of a sudden they come to find out that holy shit these guys are actually pretty smart or gosh these guys are just you know normal people or my god you know i never you know and it kind of demythifies a lot of that and then as soon as that wall is broken down because that's one of the things i try to do is break walls break barriers then they're a little bit more open. We have intelligent conversations. Like, I don't care what, I don't care, you know, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you think. I don't care about any of that. Like I said, again, my superpower is not caring. And so what I care about is when whatever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just, you totally contradicted yourself. You said your superpower is not caring, but now you just told me you cared about something? Yeah, I care about not caring. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> let's keep that on there. <laughs> So when they, you know, when they start to come out there and, and we have these great discussions and I'm open to, I'm open to dialogue. I'm, I, I will engage with you. I will talk to you because here's the thing. If you're going to have a conversation that has some that's a heated subject, right? Um, the only thing that I ask is that you come with an open mind and, you know, cause here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm going to engage in a, in a dialogue with you. And what I'm expecting is that you're going to provide me with information that's going to change my perspective. And then I'm going to change the way that I think, feel, or believe, right? So that's your job to convince me of that, persuade me of that. If you, you're actually going to listen, which is important. Right, exactly. And if, you, if, if at the end of your discussion, I don't feel as though 
that reflects in a positive manner with me, or that's going to change the way I feel. It's changed the way it's, it's cool. Right. I'm okay with that. I don't have to have you believe in what I believe and I don't have to believe in what you believe. Right. But I'm willing to listen to you because here's the thing. You got to acknowledge that number one, you don't know everything. There might be something that you put out that, um, that I learned that is valuable and I want to take with me because that's my ultimate goal. You know, as, as a human species, we want to continue to dominate the, the, the world. So the only way that's going to happen is by getting better, getting smarter, getting, you know, good at what we do. So if that means that I can learn from you, I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to take whatever it is that I can and it, whatever I can, I discard. It's like, no big deal. Don't, you know, don't get butt hurt because I don't just jump onto whatever you're believing. You have to persuade me with enough conviction that it makes sense to me. And the other thing that I tell people is that you also need to like, if you can't have that, if you can't have <clears throat> that mindset that, okay, maybe I'm wrong here. Let me listen to what this, you know, cause I asked this person before we even start talking, is it possible that you could be wrong? And if they can't even acknowledge that, then there's no way that conversation is going to go well. But if they can at least say, you know what, it's possible. I, I might be wrong. And I'm, that's why I'm willing to engage with you because let's, let's try to figure this out. Let's have an adult conversation and see what we can come up with. So love those. They are, they're fascinating. They're intriguing. Um, a lot of times, you know, you get to learn about the other, you know, I mean, we, we walk the planet with humans all over the place. And it's, it seems to me un, un, ineffective to not have relationships with all these other humans. It just doesn't seem smart. Now, on the flip side, I, I do not tolerate people that are just, uh, you know, it's my way or the highway. You've got to believe this. Or if you don't, they, they, you know, you're condemned, you're, uh, you know, demonized, you're whatever. I, I have no patience for that whatsoever. Zero tolerance for that. And, and I'll let them know. And that, that's how that, that rolls. Like when I see people losing the argument, the first thing they do is they go right into character assassination. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's the, exactly. And so, but, but I, I always combat that with, listen, I need... I don't need you to be emotional here. I need you to be reasonable. I need you to use logic. Tell me why. Tell me your why and then back up your why. What are your... Yeah, but I mean, mo uh, aren't most people, I mean, if you think about it, if, uh, if everybody took a logical approach to argument, then we would have a lot of really intelligent conversations and then people would learn. But the <laughs> problem is, is that people are so steeped in emotion. Oh, God. Uh, that like, you know, emotion becomes this dividing factor. And, For um, sure. You know, and uh, I, especially when you get into something that is... Uh, I guess you could say is hot button and really is just yeah. as, 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 you know, as it's raw as, as, as weapons. You know, you start talking about guns, which is kind of interesting. And I wonder where this really changed because, I mean, there was a point in our lives where, you know, you could order a shotgun from Sears and Roblox and it was mail ordered here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guns weren't registered. They, uh, you know, gun safes. I mean, yeah. they, just, they hung over the mantle. And I remember were, the back were, of the trucks and the window, you know, in the rear windows of all of our trucks growing truck up as a guns. kid. Yes. Yes. So that was an original truck gun. So, it, like, where did this really, uh, this, this complete identity swift where, you know, a, a gun was considered uh, a tool that, uh, you know, people used in, you know, for hunting. I mean, it, it, it didn't like have the stigmatism where, like at what point did the stigmatism come and we're really where we are today? Well, I, I, the good thing about that is that it didn't happen overnight. That's the thing that I try to get across to people. There wasn't a single event that occurred that started, that turned the, turned it. It was, it was a level of, it was a, I believe that it was a systematic dismantling. It, it was something that was thought out and well executed to some extent. And they, they, they were in it for the long haul. You know, they didn't want to see Who's those. They? That's the good question. I think they, they, I believe uh, it would be those that are fearful of freedom that, that can't appreciate the importance behind living as a free man that they or have, they to. take it for granted. Or, that's a better way of putting it. Well, they probably take it for granted. Remember a, a lot of people, um, 
you know, the thought, like, even though they say, oh, you know, we're, we're a free society, we're a free planet, you know, or I'm, uh, you know, I'm a free person, uh, are controlled in so many different confines that like the idea of freedom uh, is, is almost a little scary. And I don't really think people tend to really, oh, God, no, because they, they, well, that's the thing. They don't want to be saddled with the responsibility, yeah. right? Freedom of freedom of choice, freedom to make a decision that has consequences, right? Sure. They don't want to be saddled with those consequences. They want somebody to do it all for them. And I think that's what people fear the most. I think, you know, and, and when you, when you find, when you see a single mother that decides that she wants to be able to defend her family on her own, she's making that choice. She's being, she's, she's comfortable making that choice because to her, her family is what matters, not somebody's opinion of her. And she goes out there and she learns and she buys a gun and she educates herself. She gets her LTC. That to me is progress. That to me is what I want to see continues. And, and I'm not just stereotyping on, on the female gender there, everybody. You know, I want, you know, because if you can't be responsible for your own safety, what, what, I mean, I find it illogical for you to expect to be responsible for other things. Right. I mean, I would love to have a individual that stood at my side that was just solely responsible for my safety. I didn't have to do shit. That's just not the world that we live in. It never will be. You know, I, I was listening to somebody talk the other day and the average response time in the U S is four minutes. It takes you 17 seconds to bleed out if you're, you know, I mean. Well, but you also have to remember uh, the Supreme Court handed down a pretty interesting decision, which was the police are not there to defend you. Correct. Uh, the fleet, the police are there to investigate and arrest and enforce Absolutely. the law. Absolutely. So uh, they investigate and they arrest. So, I mean, there was a whole deal where uh, I think it was three women were held captive. Yep. In an apartment and uh, they called 911. They cried for help. They called the police. Police didn't show. They, uh were assaulted. I mean, over like three days, this happened. Mm -hmm. And finally, uh, mm -hmm. a neighbor like went in and ended up like freeing these ladies. They got out and they sued and went to Supreme Court. And Supreme Court uh, decision was that the police are not there to defend you. Mm -mm. So uh, that I remember they're there uh, to uphold the law. Yeah, they're well, they're investigate, arrest, and uphold the law is really it. And you know, and so if somebody were to harm you, then they would investigate and arrest, and then they would apply the law at that point. But their job is not to be the barrier between you and, and, and harm. That's a hard thing for people to acknowledge. No, because it's scary. Well, it, it is scary, and it means that you have to be personally responsible for your personal safety and those around you. So I, I like it. It's pretty interesting. I I, I didn't grow up a gun owner. Uh, my dad doesn't own guns. We didn't. Um, I learned to shoot a Boy Scout camp. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I was in college that I, you know, was, uh, you know, as you guys know, a rhetoric major, but I had to read all this uh, founding fathers, John Locke, uh, really like the framers of the constitution and just read all this, you know, kind of early constitution writing, Thomas Jefferson. And you realize that, um, that the way that they talk about, whether it be George Washington, these guys talk about uh, owning weapons and being able to call it the militia and defense of liberty. And um, I left there and I was like, you know, I'd never really thought about owning a gun, but, um, when I can afford to own one, mm -hmm. um, I, and it was one of the first things I bought after I bought a TV, uh, I bought a gun Priorities. and, yeah. and, and, and uh, cheese. and I remember I felt if I was going to be a voting citizen that paid taxes, that lived in America, that part of my social responsibility was to be proficient and own a weapon. And I did. And, um, that was, uh, I, I think it was, it was funny. And I remember having this conversation with my dad who's been a lawyer for, you know, over 50 years. And Jeez. I remember him telling me, um, you know, the amount of issues and problems and gun related things that he had seen over all these years, uh, made him not a believer in people owning weapons. And, um, you know, yeah. and, and that's his personal deal. And yeah. I remember him being like the amount of, uh, of, of accidental death shootings, you know, you know, this, he goes, it just, if, 
you know, and I, I told him on my dad, I completely agree. If, uh, if everybody, if, if somebody could wave a wand and every weapon could disappear and nobody had any, yeah. then I'm totally cool with it. Yeah. But if one person has one, I want one. <laughs> well, I, I love that. I, I love that argument. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, let's make all the guns disappear and I'm going to go and I'm going to get my baseball bat and I'm going to crack you with a skull. Yeah. So I mean, and then and then everybody will get baseball bats, and everybody will get baseball and, bats, and hard helmets, and, hard. and, and, and <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like, that's where it really becomes. It's, but it, it's, but, it's not the it's not the it's not the object. It's the violence in the heart of man. Well, but you, you think about too a lot of the politicians and the people that you know uh, that are really the you know big you know we need to take guns away from private citizens. But yet you watch them walking everybody everywhere, and they're guarded by Secret Service, and they're behind bulletproof glass. It's, and they have full full security teams that are you know ready and willing. And I'm like, yeah, you don't really need a gun if you have you know six or seven well trained individuals carrying you everywhere. I I I have always found that to be a very hypocritical point of view to have somebody that is lives in a sheltered life try to comment on the average American citizen. You know, like when's the last time you actually were a blue collar worker that had put food on the table for your family, that had pay the rent, had to do all that stuff, and then also have to protect your family. Well, I mean, you know? is that, isn't that an argument where if you look at the majority of Trump's uh, uh, supporters yeah. were, you know, blue collar uh, people, but yet they voted for a person who was a billionaire, a billionaire son, <laughs> yes, who's, who's never worked a single day yep. uh, and doesn't subscribe to any of the ethics or the, or the, what I would consider true. American normal society. I would say that they were, I, I if I had to, like, I, I can't obviously speculate on why they might have voted, but I, I can tell you that it seems as though most people voted because they truly wanted to see change and uh, not hope for it. They wanted to see it. And I believe that he really embodied change. Well, I think or he, something different than the establishment. I think that's the key thing. It was different. He's not, he wasn't a career politician. He might have been involved in politics, but he wasn't a career politician. He did things uh, differently in his career. I, I, you know, I think his his shrewd business acumen has benefited us at this point. You know, I mean, I don't get, I, I don't try to go down into the weeds of all this little shit. I look at the big stuff. Like I look at how the stock market is doing. Yeah. I look at how we are in a. I mean, it's like. Nobody's talking about that. You know, you have to actually go and find stories buried, buried, buried well, in like the fifth page. Yeah, of <laughs> I mean, uh, if you really think about it too, I mean, um, you know, like, and I even kind of joked with Kate about this. She kind of was like, we'll come home and uh, she'll be like, man, you should hear what they're saying about, you know, what's going on in the political landscape. We talk about this stuff. And I always, always <laughs> tell her, I'm like, let's, you know, let me give you a little history lesson and go through all the issues that, uh, you know, all the presidents have had, and we can just go back to Obama. I mean, yeah. there, there were certain things like uh, the Fast and the Furious. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, just things where they were, you know, selling guns. To, I mean, there's all sorts that, of stuff. Yeah, real bad that, you know, are impeachable, bad, uh, major offenses. And, you know, those things were kind of like just, oh, well, but uh, I think a lot of the reasons why was because they were not, they did not receive the same attention in the media during that time period. Well, yeah, I mean, because if you think about like if let's say you, you know, three of us all own a media company and we get together and we want to put out a singular message. Now, um, I have no, I, I've made it you know, very clear in here. I didn't vote for Trump and I, uh, I think he's, you know, I really hope he's, uh, he's punking us with some of these things. But I, um, I also really hope that at some point we get some political candidates that are actually uh, not so far out of touch with reality. Because I feel like a lot of the people, at least when I hear a lot of people speak, I think to myself, God damn, this dude is uh, has been so far away from 
from actual real life outside of right. Washington that they don't have any concept of this. I think that's the key thing. It's like, you know, term limits. well, I, I'm, I'm all for term limits. I think that's, I think that's great. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like there's a lot of little things that you can do. Um, I, I would like to see the little guy in, in the large political arena, but you know, unfortunately politics is about money. Oh, yeah. Politics getting elected is all about how, how big your bank account is, how much money well, you can. And, and what was pretty interesting was, you know, there was the reason that is because uh, they equate that money to exposure to the media. Yeah, absolutely. And what always kind of makes me laugh is Trump spent significantly less money, yeah, he did. but all yeah. he did was say really crazy shit. And it the got media published. fucking followed him like he was paying their, their salaries and he wasn't. And like, to me, it's pretty interesting that the, uh, the media did more. And so I, I like, yeah, they you know, did. People are like, oh, how did Trump get elected? I can't believe this buffoon did this. And I'm like, yeah, the media did it. Yeah. The liberal media that couldn't believe the things he was saying uh, effectively kept him on repeat 24 hours a day talking about how awful this person is. And if you think about it, if you just keep showing it over and over again, people are going to buy in. And eventually, and they, it's a war of attrition at that point. Yeah, they, I mean, they have, there's as much to blame. And it's pretty interesting when you hear, I don't know how this happened. I'm like, it's not that hard to figure out. Yeah, you guys talked about it. It's not that hard to figure out. And, you know, and then the other crazy part is, uh, you know, the Democratic Party ran such a broken candidate with so many holes <laughs> that uh, even I looked at a, uh, some polling stuff yesterday that actually said uh, Hillary Clinton's likable approval rate was lower than Trump's. So they asked people yeah. like, so what do you think? And so you have two candidates. I think Trump has got like the lowest approval rating, like in the 30s right now or something. Something like yeah, that. Pretty I'm sure. low. And Hillary was like mean? 20, 26. So I'm thinking to myself, the two candidates we had up uh, over three fourths of America did not approve that they well, could. Well, there's a lot of people out there that were 100% against Hillary, 99% against Trump. Exactly. So that's what. That's exactly what it boiled down to. And, and, but, but you were right, John, the media, the media being able to propagate that message over and over and over again. Um, you know, I think that was, that was one of the things, I mean, for, at least I got tired of it. I oh. got tired of listening to it. I'm like, well, I mean, it, it, it's mute. like, it, it's like, you can't even turn on. I mean, oh, there's, like, no. there's nothing discussed on any other news channel right now, other than I can't believe Trump just did this. He just yeah. said this, he did this. I mean, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Like to the point where I think is nothing else happening or are they diverting our attention? I think there's, so here's, here's a funny, fun fact for you. Um, I have officially abandoned all, um, you know, mainstream media. I've officially abandoned it. I have no interest in learning. I have no interest in understanding what they're putting out because I have very little faith in what they're putting out. Right. So now I have to go to other sources to try to find information that is more like accurate. Algiers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Actually, believe it or not, I find the Europe, the, the European um, papers are way more, accurate. way more accurate, way more accurate. And I, I despise that because I'm like, what the fuck? How come well, I have to go to Europe to find out what's going well, what's on in America? <laughs> is, uh, if I read something, uh, I instantly check the BBC yep. and I read what the BBC says. And then I realize like you're reading the exact same story put in two, you know, from two different sides and you can kind of start to figure out Absolutely. What, what the truth is like the, you know, the whole Paris Accord thing and, oh God. uh, you know, reading their take on it and like, you know, versus what we are putting out here is like completely different. Dude, so, it is sad to see that. I mean, it's, and sometimes it's flat out 180 degrees and I'm like, how can you as a journalist be that off the mark? Really? How can you be that by putting your emotion and opinion into a piece? Precisely. And I always am fond of that because I always thought journalism was about reporting the truth. That's how I always looked at it. Like, okay, they're going to put out this information. They're going to present all the facts. And then I am supposed to make a decision. 
I'm supposed to formulate my opinion based on all the information that I'm putting out, not only, not just half. But don't you think like if you were, you know, like, um, and I always think that like somewhere there's some evil dude in like an underground, like can, uh, a, bunker. Yeah. Like a volcano lair, like <laughs> twisting his mustache as they said, like if you think about if, uh, you know, the easiest way to control people is through fear. I agree. Right. So like, you know, like you think about like uh, herding cattle or just really anything like, you know, the dog barks, they snap, they, you know, start moving and it's like commotion and fear. And then they, that, that's how they move things. Like people don't really, uh, it's hard to wrangle people up like, hey, please, can you walk over here? No, you have to, you know, they use fear to drive emotion and to really push people in certain ways. And I think uh, so true. there is really, I think, no medium happening right now in the world faster than if you look at the fear that they're trying to generate within it. Like, and I heard a guy who made a great point. Like, I remember after all this, he's like, I'm still going to wake up and I'm going to go do my job. And he even made a point. He's like, how much is the government really involved in my daily existence? Very I have little. to pay taxes. That's I know, you know, and he kind of went through all the little ways. He goes, but for the most part, I have to get up. I have to eat breakfast. I got to get my kids going. I got to do this, this, and this. And he kind of talked about like how potentially his life could be influenced, you know, through different ways. And he's like, you know, uh, at the same rate, um, you have the decision to decide, you know, what your level of involvement, how you want to be affected for sure. and how you want to go. And, uh, I just think it's pretty interesting. Like when you saw like the Trump thing, like these people are screaming and crying in the streets and I'm like, <laughs> dude, uh, uh, it just blows my mind. So we at my university, so I still keep in touch with my old college coach. And after this is in Arlington across the river from DC, they had a day of safe space. Yeah. Yeah. So there was one person on the staff that said we need to open up a safe space for students. So out of 3,500 kids, three, three students showed up. That's hilarious. What pisses me off though, 150 faculty show up. Oh my God. So you have these people that are emotionally distraught by the situation that then they have to take a day off from teaching the students their responsibility, right? And then they would, I am afraid of them injecting their opinion in the information, whether it has to do with social studies or anything on these kids. And there's no question that the, uh, the college campuses are just fraught with that type of mentality. I don't think it's, I don't think it's exclusive to, to your college, your alma mater. I think it's, I think it's nationwide. I mean, you know, what really bothers me is like when you see a college campus that is supposed to be a beacon of education. Yeah, but t- but typically, for the most part, like uh, the people that, uh, you know, professors and whatnot, and they'll leave a lot of the students. I mean, and I maybe have a little tinge on this because I went to Berkeley. What? But <laughs> <that's> <laughs> yeah. amazing. Imagine uh, that. Yeah, the, you know, you want to talk about epicenter for liberal existence, um, you know, but the, the teachers and the people that looked at it as their social responsibility to come back and teach tended to have more, I would say, a liberal mindset. And then the people that come I, to a I place like Berkeley um, tend to have a little bit more of, um, you know, that type of, but, but there's also this weird um, kind of arrogance almost that if you're, you know, a, a free thinker, educated, went to a good university, you should be liberal. And, right. that, and that like the knuckle dragger, uh, yeah. you know, uh, hillbilly or like, yeah. you know, this guy, exactly. is, is, is he's conservative because he isn't more, you know, or he, he couldn't afford to go to a good college or, or if he was more intelligent, he would see all these social problems and he would become socially liberal. And that's um, another problem, which is, is blows my mind. Cause um, you're not smart enough as to, I went to, to Berkeley, yeah. uh, you know, obviously yeah. a, a very liberal place. Uh, I actually, I think I became more conservative in my, in my outlook. 
uh, than I was before I went there. And I remember seeing these things and like seeing the social response or the, the social issues around me and then seeing like, okay, like, um, you know, like, uh, for example, uh, you know, like, you know, homelessness or, you know, this, and then all of a sudden you see these guys shooting up on the corner and obviously, okay, no, you know, these guys are homeless because of drugs. And then, you know, you see the crime and you see these things kind of going out and everybody's like, oh, we have to help them. And I'm like, well, you know what, like, what's the fix for a lot of this stuff? But um, as I kind of got more and more into this thing, you see that like, you know, there's never a, a one size fits all and to get grouped into one kind of mindset. Cause I like to think I'm conservative in some ways and liberal in others. Like, and then at the end of the day, I realized uh, I just want less government. That's it. I just don't uh, want people to tell me what to do. Like, I, um, yeah. And, and, I, and I, I support it. Like, hey, if you want to smoke weed, that's on you. You go smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. Go do it. Uh, if you want to own a weapon, you should be able to own a weapon. Like, you know, if you want to, you know, be able to do the things that you want, you know, free of some form of hindrance, then like, go for it. So I just look at it like, you know, less government's better. But, you know, the, with, with the liberal stuff, I mean, that's more of a conservative approach. Yeah. What, not telling you what to do from a government or, and then a college, not telling you what to think, teaching yeah. you how to think, sure. yeah. setting you up for success for the future. And then, well, well, that's what I appreciate, especially about Berkeley is, um, you know, there was never a point, maybe I was as lucky as my professors where they were never telling us like, yes, this is what you need to think. It was always like presenting all the information. And then you, as an educated individual, you come to your own conclusions based off of right? what you want to investigate. And I think today, which, which kind of blows me away is, uh, we have, you know, maybe a lot of people within university that are working with, to try to tell these kids, you know, what to think. This is what you should feel. This is what you should do instead of allowing them to kind of grow and figure it out on their own. Well, I, I will tell you that my thought process in that is exactly what Tex just said, you know. Don't tell me what to think. Tell me how to think. How do I create a process that allows me to evaluate the world around me and make my own decisions on my own? Right. That's the key thing that I think uh, the many educators have lost their way in that sense. I think they like I don't know what the deal is. I, I feel like at times they feel they have to justify their perspective to all the students. Like it, like I, I this is the only viewpoint you can have. You can't have any other viewpoint. Right. And I, my, my thing is like, I, I don't care what you think. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I, I care that what you think doesn't affect how I live. Like your thought process doesn't repress me or repress my ability to do things. That's it. I don't care. If you have that viewpoint, keep your viewpoint. Yeah, but maybe you're not smart enough. So then they have to right. take care of you like a child. Exactly. That's the other thing. It's like, I, I get that you feel that way. But that is your feelings, and your feelings don't trump my rights. It's just that simple. Sure. You know, that's how I look at it. I'm like, hey, man, that's great that you want to feel that way. I, I really don't care because, again, there's that superpower because your um, feelings don't trump my rights. Simple. I like simple. Simple is good. <laughs> Nothing else, Tex? We're, we're all looking at you. Oh, yeah, no, bring it. You got any other? Uh, sure. Just getting into it. I'm trying to, I guess, uh, navigate this as a, a 30 year old. Uh, I'll call myself conservative here and understanding idealists, fundamentalists, and people that are trying to, again, like Jeff was talking about, push their opinions on, I don't know, the youth. Because being a 30 year old white male navigating this world, when I lived in DC, that 
was not fun. <laughs> was I was <laughs> public enemy numero uno. Oh, because you were white or because you were male? Both. Both. Uh, yeah. Both. And you probably were also well, but, slightly uh, And you're from Texas. So yeah. instantly, you know, Texas is nothing but, you know, hillbillies and rednecks. So, I mean, you guys are down there. That we we're can, too stupid to understand people's We can't make our own yes. minds up, right? Yeah, yeah, just, just too dumb. I, I'm not enlightened enough to understand how stupid your viewpoint is. Well, but uh, and, uh, that was almost fuel for the fire for a lot of conversations and just kind of walk them into yeah. their own shit, like yeah. back them into yeah. but what contradictions. Was, so I, I remember um, my freshman year of college, I went into this class, Education 40, taught by a guy named Pedro Noguera. And uh, I remember sitting there and him telling us, if you're a white male, you're an oppressor and you have to get oh used to God. while you're here on this campus, you will be known as an oppressor. And he was, uh, he was not saying it like you're an oppressor and I'm telling you to oppress me. He was making a very conscious statement that uh, people are going to treat you based off the social dynamic. And uh, in this class, he's like, I, you know, I mean, and he didn't say, hey, I disagree or agree or anything. He's just like, just know if you're a white male on this campus, you're going to be known as an oppressor. Yeah. And the sooner that you realize this, then the sooner that you can work to either dispel this or change this or propagate or do whatever. And then he went through this whole thing like, you know, if you're uh, uh, an Asian, then they feel that, you know, and he went through all these kind of social stereotyping. Um, and I remember rapping with him one time and he was like, you know what you should do? Um, and I, I wore glasses. He's like, yeah, don't take those glasses off. Otherwise, because, like, you know, kind of gives you more of like a nerdy vibe. And he goes, that would be more beneficial to you uh, when you go into these things. And he's like, don't wear your football stuff either. He's like, um, <laughs> and no, I mean, the, the guy, he, he, he goes, a lot of the black athletes will dress all in like, you know, Cal football gear, the whole deal. And they'll sit up there. And like the, the black athlete who's going to make it out is very um, successful for people. Like People like that. The white athlete obviously, you know, goes through the whole thing. He's like, so, you know, don't wear your football stuff, wear your glasses. And he goes, and um, you'll be fine. And uh, I just remember thinking, like, he was 100% like, um, you know, the type of dude that's like, hey, I, I know what right and wrong is. Now I'm going to tell you how to fucking beat the system. Yeah. So, like, you, like you're not going to be able to change this shit, but if you understand how to navigate it. Yeah, you, you got to play the game. Yeah, you got to play the game. And that was what his big thing is. You know, people want to, like, jump the shark. They want to go against the grain and this. And he's like, you know what? Things work better here if you understand the game and you know how to play it and how to and how to manipulate it. You that's gotta play it better than a, they do. That's how you get to a position where you can make a change. Yeah, and I guess I would run into issue when presenting an argument uh, or trying to appeal to people's emotions and then get just freaking uh, just caught or on the merry-go-round in a conversation, which then escalates into an argument, and then it's just nobody wins here. Uh, well, the th sounds like you're dating the wrong type of women. Oh, well, that's why I left DC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the, the yeah. I, I I do value I value that kind of perspective because there's a recognition of the of the status quo, right? That this is the status quo. This is how fucked up it is. And if you're going to want to have any success, this is what you're going to have to do. You have to play the game better than that other person. You have to you have to strategize. You have to create your arguments. You have to you have to be able to outmaneuver your opponent, which is you know on any battlefield that's the key. The winner is going to be the one that outmaneuvers. So I can appreciate that. It, it but what pisses me off is that that is the status quo. That it has to be like exactly. That. That's what pisses me off. And and it's not just on your campus. It's it's campuses all across the country. You know, I mean, I'm concerned for my kids going to these campuses and and having an education in that sense that could, uh, you know. I, 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 I want to think that my kids, when they get to that level, will be able to, you know, kind of, you know, again, if it 
if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. They'll be able to see that kind of shit and be able to insulate themselves from that. But I'm just pissed that they have to do that. You know, I would like for them to go, I would like for them to go to a, a institution of higher learning to actually learn and not be criticized or not be judged or not have to have the constant defending of their viewpoints because it's different from somebody else's viewpoints. Can't stand that, you know, and that's what I find so contradictory, you know, so, oh, we're, you know, we're, we're all about everybody's opinions as long as everybody's opinions are my opinion and then we're good. But if your opinion's not my opinion, I don't, I don't care for your opinion and therefore you are evil and must be destroyed. That's shit like that that pisses me off. Well, I mean, you think about what a liberal place. Uh, I mean, and you would think it'd be probably a little more conservative just because of the of the money in D.C. But so lo- so liberal. I mean, it's like growing up in or like uh, Northern California, San Francisco area. Oh God, it's terrible. I mean, uh, but I mean, I also lived in Orange County, which is known as the Orange Curtain, which is you know conservative. And now we're out here in Austin, which is pretty interesting because uh, even though we live in Austin. Where we're out here doesn't necessarily feel this like is Austin. Orange Ooh. County, Texas. This is the Orange. That's <laughs> true. I moved to the Orange County of Texas, this, as I realized. Yes. But this is kind of like uh, uh, for people that like to be close enough, like you said, to restaurants in Austin, but are more conservative and want to live a little farther outside. Absolutely. That's why I think the Hill Country does so well. Is it? It, it does. It epitomizes that. I, I mean, I have plenty of friends that live downtown, and I, I you know, I, I I tend to get along well with people. I, I I don't have a chip on my shoulder that immediately. Like I, I've had such interesting interactions in my life that, you know, I'm, I'm curious about the other person, curious about their, you know, their status in life, their position in life, how they got there, what they did. Because, you know, first of all, I'm like, okay, you know, I look at you and I see you at a, uh, a, maybe a position of authority or a position of success. I'm like, okay, how'd you do that? Yeah. What did you do to get there? Because that there might be something that I can glean from that. And, and as somebody that's constantly wanting to evolve into a better me, maybe there's something there that I need to look at. And just because you have a different viewpoint doesn't mean that I disvalue your viewpoint. It may not be something that works for me. It may not be something that I can use, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, it's like this. It's like when we would sit there and do our mission planning, I remember I remember distinctly one time when we were, and I, I threw out like, you know, we have these rounds. A lot of times, uh, you know, the mission plan is left up to senior members of the team. And I was a junior member and uh, we're sitting there and I, there was like an open call. Does anybody have anything, anything different? And we were looking at like how we're going to do this target. And I, I just kind of blurted out something that uh, wasn't, in line with what we were kind of going down and everybody stopped and looked at me and I thought, Oh fuck. (laughs) I just fucked myself. Right. But what ended up happening was they, they were able to look at that and say, huh, that's a different way. That's not something that we would have thought about that actually has value. And while we didn't completely execute in that frame, we, we, we modified enough to where it was valuable. And, and so, you know, like everybody has value to add. It's just how you can interpret that value and whether or not it actually has full value for you or just a little. In this case, that one, it, I mean, like maybe affected 25, 30% of the way we did our job that day. That was it, but it was enough, you know? And, and that I think is what everybody wants to have value to be, you know, to, to present something to the world that's valuable, right? And I think everybody can, as long as, you know, you're willing to look at that and say, all right, sure, that. You know, that might not be my cup of tea, but I get it. I can see that. I can see where that's valuable to somebody else. 
that's it. You know, don't have to condemn, don't have to, of course, if it's going to be something that would restrict my freedoms, then I probably will have an issue with that. But if aside from that, I'm good. I'm pretty good. Because I mean, it's your, you know, this is your life. You got one life to live. Sounds like a soap opera. You got one life to live, man. You got to live it at 100%. Because that's it. There's no do-overs. There's no instant replay. Yeah, there's no like, ah, fuck, if only. If only. Well, you can have that all day long, right? And this is the thing. I'm in a point in my life now when I say back and I'm like, God damn it, I wish I'd done that, you know? So now what I do is I am very conscious of that. I'm like, okay, is this going to be the very best that I can do? It, it, or is there, is there some way that I can do this a little better? And I'm, you know what, the thing that I most appreciated about my mission commander at that point was he was willing to listen to me, even though I didn't have the experience that everybody else at the table did. He was willing to listen to me, right? That I think is what's valuable. And so, you know, when I start looking at other people, I'm going to listen to them. Just, you know, they, they may be able to, to give me, even if it's 1% of something that's going to make me do my job better, I'm good. Have you heard of a, a term called the wisdom of crowds? No, just similar to what uh, the story you j- just told, where the whole room was thinking one way, and you oh, provided a different perspective. Right, uh, and then there's, I guess, just the saying: "Beware of the wisdom of crowds." Mm-hmm. People are too the. the I get a out of the guy. Harumph, harumph. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 crowd is too scared to stand up and say something. Sure, that yeah. uh, could effectively affect the mission, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're in a scenario where it's life or death when we were just in like a business world right. or education. Well, but I mean, uh, you, you should have people around you. Like that's the thing which I uh, appreciate about uh, Luke, especially he'll argue me, argue with me about anything. <laughs> uh, so like we, we post something up and he'll argue with me, even if he knows that I'm right. And I, I do the same to him. He'll present something and I argue with him just because even if it's a good decision, just because you have to be able to have dialogue to talk everything oh, out to see yeah. about every, every deal. I mean, if, if at every point it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's a wonderful idea. I'd be like, come on dude like fucking at least tell me something sucks so then uh luke does that every time whether he agrees or not so. one of the best things that ever happened to me as as a i remember when i was younger was i was forced to argue a point that i did not believe in i was for I, I had no choice it's like okay here this is it you need to do this and and you can't do a shitty job you have to do a good job and i'll tell you what man that was a life change that was a game changer for me because it, it eliminated emotion. Like I had to step out of that, that emotional void. I had to be emotionless in that sense. And I just had to look at it and whether I believed in it or not, I had to be able to present a good argument that was, that, that would hold water that would be able you know, I, I couldn't just do a bullshit job. Like, eh, I don't fucking believe in this shit. So I'm not going to do a good job. You know, I had to, I had to buy into it. And while I didn't believe in it, I presented a good argument. And what it did for me was it, it, it expanded my knowledge base of the subject that I was talking about in a huge way, something that I would not have had happen if I wasn't put in that position. So sometimes I think like we, we, you, we hear the saying, you know, you, you can't really judge somebody until you walk in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was for me, the game changer. Like I take a step back and I really try to, if it's something I try to, I I do try to put myself in that other person's position and I try to understand their position as if I was, you know, walking in their shoes and I I don't, I'm not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination, but it has at least been something that has helped me out, uh, particularly at this stage of my life where now, you know, it's important that I value other people's opinions and that I try to, uh, you know, guide them in their direction that they're trying to go. I guess one of uh, one important thing for the development in me as a strength and conditioning coach was 
uh, learning from John in that I had to go to uh, college strength and conditioning weight rooms and then they would shit on CrossFit. Oh yeah. And I would take there and I would, I would say, all right, let's have some fun here. I would take the side of CrossFit and then we would argue back and forth and then essentially show them a closed off mind versus an open perception. But then I would have to go to teach these uh, CrossFit courses, events and seminars and talk to people with one perspective on fitness and SNC, which was CrossFit yep. and then argue the other side. Yep. So taking and learning to stand up or defend both sides, picking holes, <laughs> right or wrong, and just to start to test the other people, not necessarily the idea, but then like show them you can't think like that. If you want to have success in this business, I don't care what it, what side of the ball you're on. Exactly. You got to understand both. I couldn't agree with that more, man. I mean, you know, and it's an old, it's an old you know, war strategy. You know, know thy enemy, right? You've, you, you, you have to know that enemy, know that enemy. And that is going to give you insight into how you're, how, how you're going to evolve within that frame, you know? And, and so it was one of those things where, man, I look back at that and I can't even remember what the hell I was tasked to argue. It was probably something ridiculously stupid, but I had to learn about it. I had to understand it. And then I had to present a good argument for why you should do that. And then I had to go against somebody who on the flip side did the exact opposite. They were, they were defending a viewpoint that they didn't have and they had to learn about it. And then, and, and it was, it was interesting, you know, I mean, it felt like we were, you know, the, you know, you put those big, uh, uh, those sumo wrestle suits on, you know, those big puffy suits and you just kind of like tried it. That's what it felt like, you know, we really weren't doing much, but it, you know, it was still, but it forced you to take emotions exactly. out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, in the end, did we change anybody's opinion? I don't know, but I, I didn't even look at it as a, as an exercise in helping other people. I looked at it as an exercise in helping me. heavy it's deep that was deep it's heavy doc damn <laughs> what else john what else do you want to challenge john? oh nothing lunch <laughs> down with some lunch yes my uh my hunger is telling me this time to feed all right jeff well since you're off all social media except for the dating <laughs> app of instagram <laughs> how can our fans reach you I think uh, that's uh, that's a good well, point. Well, don't they just gotta slide you DMs? Uh, how can our fans DM you? <laughs> they can they can write it on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, attach a stamp to it, mail it. Do you guys even do you guys do that? Like yeah. like yeah. I I've started writing letters again. What's a stamp? Oh yeah, that's a good one. What do you write them to yourself? Or you send them to Santa. Don't don't mess with Santa. You're like Santa. No, it's Santa those, Claus. It's those, cool. those angry letters to all his his liberal community. <laughs> you know you're not supposed to send those, right? I those are my outside thoughts. I you know, but no, honestly, I have I've taken great pleasure in writing handwritten notes these days. It's uh, it's kind of nice to see that. Um, okay, well, so well, we will expect one. Oh yeah, you will get one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm gonna send so you. So if I get a handwritten sure. if I get a handwritten letter from my dad, it's uh, I call it the poison pen where uh, he will write me uh, things he's upset about me yeah. or things I've done. He'll, he'll physically write and mail me a letter. And if I see my, my dad's handwriting on a letter, I'll be like, oh boy. And I read it. And, like, and then I'll be like, call him. But why can we talk about this? He's like, I, I think much better if I can pen it out. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm going to... poison pens. Uh, well, that's okay, John. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap you in a blanket of safety and security when I write you. Oh, it's it's going to be nice. It's going to be warm. Is it, liber- is it a liberal blanket? It's going to be warm. It, it'll be a red, white, and fucking blue blanket. <laughs> <laughs> of freedom bitches yeah. um okay with, so with barbecue stains damn straight man 
Well, uh, so to get in touch with me, best thing is uh, you can go to the range at austin.com. Um, that's a, that's an easy way. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. Yes, you can follow me on Instagram. Uh, just, I always tell people that, uh, you know, I, I engage in social media because it's a business and I have to, Oh, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I have to do that. Um, but I, I actually, you know, I have to say too, I, uh, I've enjoyed engaging, uh, what I've re- it, it has allowed me to reach a broader audience. So I have to, I have to give it props for that. And, um, it has allowed me to reconnect with a lot of uh, former teammates, actually. It's surprising. I actually found the Facebook uh, got me connected with guys that I hadn't talked to in 15, 20 years. So um, I can't really, can't really dish it, diss it that bad, but I'm good with that. So yeah, uh, the rangeaustin.com, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, we do a lot of stuff on Instagram these days. I, I just kind of visit Facebook and in Twitter infrequently these days. And that's about it. That's about it. They can, they can always get in touch with me by, you know, by contacting uh, the John Wellborn fan club. Just ask specifically for the president. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Jeff Gonzalez is actually the, uh, um, you know, president, treasurer, uh, (laughs) secretary. He actually hold all of his, uh, all the meetings in a phone booth, which even makes it more convenient. (laughs) You can have them anywhere. Phone booth. I thought it was a, uh, what do you call those? Porta porta potty with a bunch of pictures of you. Oh, (laughs) that's actually what I have for you, Tex. Like Bill. Just envisioning Billy Madison's got one. Oh, you know Jesus. what I'm talking about? Yes, All right. I do. That that is Jeff Gonzalez. Thank you very much. The range at austin.com. Uh, well, well it's the range austin.com. Yeah, the range austin. We'll have to have you back on after I get my um, my one-on-one coaching. I would love that. In fact, uh, we need to we need to make that happen. I know you guys are busier than a one-legged man. Well, no, but uh, yeah, uh, was it Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. We we had that deal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh. Um, you tell me. What we we will we were we will make that happen. I am I'm committed to that big time. I've told John that several times. In fact, I keep giving him shit, dude. I dude, I thought we were shooting today, dude, 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 dude. dude. <laughs> dude. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, guys. It's always a pleasure. I really enjoy it. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. You can find Jeff Gonzalez on his website, therangeaustin.com, or by DMing him on Instagram at Trident Concepts. Okay, he clearly stated that he doesn't respond to DMs, but he did hint at being an excellent pen pal. So if you're a grown man, and you know he's a grown man, and you want to exchange a couple of letters, I don't see anything wrong with that. Just a couple of bros writing each other through the U.S. mail. Until next time, bye!